Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I'm Randy Carriker. Michelle Smallman has already been working for a long time this morning. <laughs> it's great to have you here after your spectacular national spot on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Well, thank you, Randy. It's great to be here. And... If I was born to do anything in this life, it's to represent St. Louis. Yes, so you were. <laughs> if any national outlet needs someone to ride for St. Louis or tell them what's great in St. Louis or why St. Louis is great, I'm your girl. You spent maybe 48 hours of major anxiety trying to come up with a list of the three biggest stars in St. Louis. Three guys that if they go to a restaurant in St. Louis, they don't have to wait for the last table. They get the last table. And your final list was... Ryan O'Reilly, Blues captain, three. Stanley Cup winner at number three. Controversial, but Nolan Arenado, Cardinals third baseman at number two. And of course, the GOAT, the man, Yadier Molina at number one. And you unfortunately had to leave Adam Wainwright off the list, which is totally reasonable. Perhaps the biggest surprise here, Keyshawn Johnson did not agree with you. He did not. I was talking to their producer, Evan, when I got off the line, so I didn't hear this, but you told me that Keyshawn thinks Ryan O'Reilly should be number two. He would have moved O'Reilly up to number two, yeah, because he's been around. And uh, you, you have, or Arenado, who's only been here for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, Keyshawn showing his hockey knowledge there. I respect it from Keyshawn. Ryan O'Reilly brought a championship to this town. Nolan Arenado has not done so just yet, but I... I think from a national perspective, Nolan Arenado might be a little yeah. bit more popular than Ryan O'Reilly. No disrespect to ROR, because he's he's the guy here. We love him. But that's why I put Nolan Arenado number two. And I, I did hear Jay Will, when I was getting off the line, mention Jason Tatum being from St. Mm-hmm. Louis. And I didn't choose any athletes that don't play here locally. Right. Because Jason Tatum, while being a superstar in his own right, is a St. Louisan at heart. And if Jason Tatum goes to a restaurant and there's one table left and he and Yadier Molina are standing outside the restaurant waiting for a table, Jason Tatum is going to give the table to Yadier Molina. Yes, he is. That's right. As a St. Louisan, we have that much reverence for the guys that represent our city and play for our city. So I didn't put Jason Tatum on the list because he doesn't play here. And I know that he would want to give the table or give his spot in the club to a guy who played for St. Louis. Now, one unfortunate aspect of this is that as soon as Keyshawn Johnson opened the door to his hockey knowledge, you didn't get the opportunity to say, hey, Key, how about Ville Husso last night? <laughs> Which I know he would have wanted to talk about. <laughs> been all over it. I know that they had to get to some Aaron Rodgers discussion, <laughs> so we didn't want to keep me on the line that long, but I'm sure that all of those guys were locked in to the Blues win last night and they had a lot of Ville Husso takes. Ville, I... I always tell people, hey, he's your backup and he has been a really good backup for the Blues. And Michelle, you and I have both heard Doug Armstrong say, the Blues believe that eventually Ville Husso has the qualities, the abilities, the elements to be a number one quality goalie in the NHL. He displayed that last night, made 31 saves in his first NHL shutout. Yeah, of course it's nice and uh, win, so... uh... First one, 
first start out, so uh, it, it was nice. And uh, but so, like I said earlier, too, like I need to put myself in a good spot every night. And, uh, and uh, this this game was a good good for my confidence, and uh, just need to keep building. Did Pareko say anything when he gave you the puck? Uh, I can't remember did he say something or not, but guys were guys were happy to get the win. He was in the moment. He didn't remember what everybody was saying to him. He was relishing in his accomplishment. But Jordan Bennington has been sensational, and you need that. You need a hot goalie heading into the playoffs. And how great is it that Ville Husso has this performance, as he mentioned, gets that confidence in himself before he goes into the playoffs as well? Because we've seen a situation in the postseason before where sometimes you need the backup to come in. You need to give your main guy a rest. Maybe he gets pulled, whatever happens. So for Ville Husso to get this type of performance on the cusp of the playoffs, I think is huge for the Blues. And Michelle, we talk to David Braun every week and he cares so much about his teammates and about milestones that they reach. And he was asked about Huso getting his first NHL shutout last night. Oh yeah. Yeah, all, all night long he was uh, excellent and uh, I kind of heard some of his answers. Obviously, he's been really working at it in practice and we've seen that. We've seen his everything has, has gotten better so it's we're happy for him and we really wanted that shutout for him. And the Blues dominated they scored two in the first barbershop and schwartz two in the second from krug and peron and they rolled to a four nothing victory big for the blues i like that they're getting this momentum as they head into the playoffs especially in a game like that where it's inconsequential and you really just want to stay healthy and and hope that everybody gets to the next day intact but to get the win to get the shutout to have peron and krug again contributing it's big and here we are on the last day of the season the Blues are locked in in fourth place. They still don't know who they'll play in the first round of the playoffs. Last night, both Vegas and Colorado were 6 nothing winners. Vegas over San Jose, Colorado over the Kings. At the moment, Vegas has a two-point lead in the Honda West Division. They have 82 points. They've played all of their 56 games. The Avalanche have 80 points. They played 55. If the Avalanche beat the Kings at home tonight... They'll grab the President's Trophy, they'll grab the Division, they'll grab the top seed in the West, and they'll grab a first-round matchup against the Blues. So let's go Avs? Yes. The rare time we say that? I'm saying let's go Avs. I'm saying let's go Avs, too. I would so much rather see Colorado than Vegas in that first round. Also, you mentioned they would get the President's Trophy. We know how that typically works out. Right. And... If you just ask me simple, okay, Randy, why do you want to see Colorado rather than Vegas? I'd rather see Philip Grubauer than Mark Andre Fleury or Bark Andre Furry either. Even yeah, that's right. Give me the the Colorado goalie who obviously got the shutout last night, but has not been spectacular of late against a guy who's won a couple of Stanley Cups. Bark Andre Furry, one of the great names of all time. Yeah, and has the entire array of jerseys, by the way, the really? sweaters for that. Vegas. Yeah, it's impressive. impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. But you're right. I, I would much rather see Colorado, which I know sounds crazy because we know what a threat that they are. But I just think that the Blues have a better matchup, potential matchup against Colorado. And we've seen before, if you can contain that top line for Colorado, you certainly have a chance. Whereas I think the style of play that Vegas has matches up better for them against the Blues. And it's going to be t- it's going to be a tall task either way. But I I would rather go against Colorado. And plus, you have that extra layer of hatred that yep. St. Louis has towards Colorado. You want to beat Stan Kroenke's team. So I'm, I'm hoping for the abs. Get if you were watching the Blues last night, perhaps you missed out on the Cardinals' 4-1 loss to the Brewers. It was 
really unfortunate. Tyler O'Neill hits a solo home run in the top of the eighth inning. Cardinals tie the game at one apiece. And you're thinking, okay, with the Cardinals bullpen, the way things are going lately, they're going to find a way to win this game. Ryan Helsley replaces Henesis Cabrera. And by the way, Henesis Cabrera and before him, John Gant had pitched really well. And Helsley gets Wonger to line out to center. And then he gets Kane to fly out to Dylan Carlson in right. The third hitter of the inning is Daniel Vogelbach. And Vogelbach takes strike one, then he takes ball one, then he takes strike two. So it's one, two, and then Helsley goes inside with him. He fouls it off. He's got him one and two still and throws a fastball over the head of Yadier Molina for a wild pitch. Vogelbach, who's like Mr. Jumbo, like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, rumbles down to first base. (laughs) So so you got a a runner at first, Travis Shaw, after... (laughs) Vogelbach is run for by Pablo Reyes. Travis Shaw doubles him home, doubles Reyes home. All of a sudden, it's a 2-1 game. Then Avisail Garcia hits a home run, a two-run home to make it 4-1, and 4-1 was the final. That one pitch, that one wild pitch was the difference in the game. And the Cardinals didn't try to pitch Vogelbach away at all. He's a guy that stands away from the plate. And first of all, he couldn't hit a breaking ball on the one first three pitches. So they go up and in on him. He fouls it off, and then they try another fastball. If they would have gone away, I'm convinced that he would have flailed at it. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that happens in baseball. It's, it's the old, you're going to win 50, you're going to lose 60. And oh, by the way, an unfortunate slip by Harrison Bader in center field, too, that allowed the run to score. Still made the catch, though. <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. The, the catch for a sack fly, yeah. But that's that's how baseball go, right? Sometimes you're you're slipping, but I just think that that was such a crucial moment in the game, but even though the Cardinals lost that game, it was still a really entertaining game, and there's still so much to like about this team. I really appreciated the outing by John Gant last night. I appreciated um, some of the, the things we saw out of the bullpen, but that's just one of those games that the Cardinals had the opportunities but weren't able to capitalize. So the Cardinals will take on the Brewers again today, and that's a YouTube game. Danny Mack will not have the call, and we'll talk to Scott Braun at 9.30. He'll have the call today on YouTube. Scott Braun, Dan Plesak, and Matt Holiday doing the game on YouTube. Would lo- can't wait to hear Matt Holiday in the booth. I think he's going to be excellent. Looking forward to that. And we didn't mention that we do have the Blues finale tonight against Minnesota. Fan appreciation night. 7 o'clock pregame with Alex Ferrario and Curbs and Joey will have the call for you at 8 o'clock. The 2021 NFL schedule released a big production on NFL Network and ESPN. Did you watch it and do you care? I did not watch it because because I was busy watching our Cardinals and our Blues. And I do care a little bit only only for the headline games. The Patriots and the Buccaneers, the Brady-Belichick game, mm-hmm. that I certainly care about. But I can read about that the next day. I don't need to watch the schedule release. But again, kudos to the NFL for making every Monday an activity they do into a spectacular, into a must-watch media event. I, uh, it's yeah, really amazing the they're, way that they do amazing. that. They're amazing. So... I have already been invited to an October 3rd Steelers at Packers game. Should I go? Uh, Yeah, you should go. Why wouldn't you go? Because that's the Cardinals regular season finale here against the Cubs. That's going to be meaningless. The Cubs will be out of it. Yeah. All right. So I'll do it. It's where in Green Bay? Yeah, it's in Green Bay. Then you definitely have to go. October 3rd. It'll be a great day. That's number one on my venues I need to go to list. 
Hey, I know somebody, so just tell me when you want to go. Really? You betcha. Look at you. What a flex. I know somebody at Lambeau. I'll get you tickets. <laughs> um, but you should definitely go to that game. That would be awesome. Yeah. Will Aaron Rodgers be there when you go to that That's game? That's a great question. And will Big Ben be playing? Good. Another might great we, question. Might we see Jordan Love against Dwayne Haskins? Oh, boo. <laughs> I hope not for your sake. Coming up, we've got Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line. Character and Smallman. More coming up on 101. ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Earlier this season, St. Louis and Bradley Beal dropped 47 points on somebody. I don't even remember who it was, but his team lost. And soon after, his wife went, uh, went to the socials. She went to the Insta and just put down on the Insta, maybe with her phone, just typed in, sick of it. <laughs> when I first read the tweet, I didn't do it in that cadence. In my mind, mm-hmm. I went, sick of it. But mm-hmm. I like your take on it better. I think that's probably what it was. Just Sick of it. Yeah, maybe tossing your head back. Emily. It was the Pelicans. Oh, the, that's even worse. It's the Pels. So right. I can totally get why you would be sick of it when that happens. So we developed this little segment, sick of it. So what are you sick of? Michelle, I got to tell you, I am sick of Green Bay Packer quarterback discussion, especially oh. when you have old Packer quarterbacks talking about current and maybe soon-to-be former Packer quarterbacks. You know, I don't know what to take, but I think uh, no one Aaron, this is my take, really, the bottom line, no one Aaron, he's a guy that will, will harbor a grudge for a long time. And, you know, I, I don't see him saying, okay, you were right. I'll come in and play. I, I see him sitting out before he agrees to come back and say he's, he's wrong. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm not saying he's right. I don't know. But I, I do think that they've sent the wrong message as far as winning now. I want Aaron Rodgers to say something. Until he does, I'm sick of it. Aaron Rodgers on the Mount Rushmore, perhaps, of grudge holders? I would say so. So that's why out of all of these quarterback things that we've heard, the Deshaun Watsons, the Russell Wilsons, this one I take with more than a grain of salt because we know how salty Aaron Rodgers is. And he, in fact, can hold a grudge. And he, in fact, does seem to be in a good place in his personal life and maybe can walk away. I know it's hard for us to fathom that because he's the the reigning MVP. He was this close from going to the Super Bowl and he's still in the prime of his career and he's on a good team. It's hard to envision someone walking away like that, but I truly think he might do it just to prove a point. Where do the Broncos, let's check the Broncos and see Aaron Rodgers and the Denver Broncos, where do they open up? Okay, I've got week one here, and I'm just wanting to see if this might wind up being a national TV game. You've got the Packers at the Saints, and you've got the Broncos at the Giants on Fox. So either way, Aaron Rodgers is going to open up, and Joe Buck is going to be doing the game on Fox. Okay, you heard it here first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Brandy, I am sick of, and this is not a new sick of it, I'm sick of COVID in baseball. I'm I'm sick of it. We got news that the Yankees have seven confirmed COVID-19 positives on their coaching and support staff. We got this word yesterday. Of course, this comes on the heels on positive. 
positive COVID test with the Padres. Will Myers, Fernando Tatis Jr., three other Padres were out because of positive tests. And we're right on the precipice of, of being done with this pandemic. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. People are getting vaccinated. We just spoke to Bill with the third yesterday. More fans are coming to Bush Stadium. It feels like the world is starting to wake up again. And so to get these positive tests in baseball, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I am too. And I... I guess they're still testing even though people have had vaccinations and you can still contract the disease even though you won't have the symptoms Mm -hmm. seriously if you've been been vaccinated i don't know why they're still continuing to test those people but i wonder how many people out there still have the disease within their bodies but don't have any idea because they aren't experiencing the symptoms and then therefore passing it along potentially to others right yeah i don't know it's a good question but just reading those headlines, I thought we were past this. Yeah. I, I hope everyone who got it is feeling okay, obviously, but I'm just so ready to never have to talk about COVID in sports or COVID period ever again. And you can get a vaccination and get a pair of Cardinal tickets today between 9 and 4. Just park at that star parking lot right across the street from Bush Stadium. Stop by. Get your vaccination, the entrance right behind home plate, and you can get your vaccination and get a voucher for a pair of tickets for a game this season. So you can get vaccinated at Bush Stadium today. Your tech 65780. Emily, what do you have? From the 636, I'm sick of the NFL sending the worst teams to London. Yeah, they have a tendency to do that. But would you rather them send the best teams to London? Would you rather them send the Bucks and the Patriots to London and have it be a, a game that you really care about? Patriots like London. The Jaguars really like London. Yeah. I, I, it seems to me that they should just make it equal. Like everybody should go the same amount of times. Now, I know the Rams wanted to go because they were playing in the Coliseum. The Jaguars want to go because it's such a big revenue producer for them. But I think everybody should be caused to to lose a home game okay or how about this let's just try this on for size how about they stop trying to make london happen that's a good idea too just stop trying to make it happen it's like fetch randy from mean girls it's never gonna happen stop trying to make it happen (laughs) it's a revenue producer for you it's a novelty item for fans over there and when you're in the NFL and you have such a small amount of home games per season, mm-hmm. why are you taking that away from a local fan base? It just seems so ridiculous to me. It's one of those NFL money grab things, and they like to have the threat of another big market or another exotic market on the table, just like for here in St. Louis, we heard about L.A. forever. Mm-hmm. London is the new L.A. And it's dumb. It's really dumb, and I think that they should just stop doing it, period. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of international games. How about that? From the 618, I'm sick of school graduating in two days. Oh, That is senioritis right there. Yep. Or, yeah, graduating in two days. Yeah, you're allowed to be sick of it. And you know what? Take the next two days off. Nobody cares. Certainly you don't care. And it's not going to affect whether you graduate or not. So just take the next couple of days off. Or instead of skipping school, go to the next two days and savor your time there. Savor it. Because before you know it, you're going to be an adult. You're going to be going into work all the time, paying bills, talking about taxes and insurance. Savor your time in school. I'm Billy Madison. I'm shaking your face. And I'm saying cherish it. Cherish school while you have it. How about going to school but being lazy? Yeah. Is that okay? Totally. Okay. Just go so there and have fun. Kick your feet up. Say what's up to your friends. Yeah, and the teachers. Get the mediocre pizza in the lunch line. Go for it. Boy, it was a 
I, people always said that pizza was mediocre, and as it turns out, it was. But I always consumed it. Oh yeah, it's the best choice out yeah, of the lunch line is. options. It really is. I was a girl that packed every day. I don't know about you. Were you? A, oh no, a hot I was. Lunch pe- I was lunch line pizza all the way. Were you? Yeah, I like yeah. to pack because I liked a variety of snacks. I like to have a little some chips, maybe some Dunkaroos, throw some grapes in the mix, a sandwich. Good I like. I like options. Healthy. <laughs> From the seven one two. I'm sick of everyone thinking our bullpen is so good. We walk way too many guys and hit way too many guys. We do walk too many guys. Definitely. And I think that'll probably decrease a little bit with Jordan Hicks being injured. But what you look for is the bottom line. And yes, you can say we walk too many guys. But you also have to agree that the Cardinals did have the best record in the National League heading into yesterday. And you must be doing something right if you've got that. Yes. And while I agree with the walks, I also think to your point, we're we're nitpicking a little bit at this point based on what we've seen out of that group and where the Cardinals are right now. Yeah. And by the way, the Cardinals now a half game behind the Giants for the overall National League lead. From the 217, sick of it. The call for Harrison Bader's lack of hitting. He's looked great and more patient at the plate. He was the only Cardinal to have two hits last night. They liked what he did last year from an OPS perspective, too. I think he's fine as a number eight hitter. I think so, too. And since he's come back, he's looked more patient at the plate. I think his his pitch selection has been great. He looks more confident, and he's been producing offensively. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with him. And, hey, it's one of those situations where it's it's glaring, as Coach Vermeil used to say, how much better he is than anybody else in center field. Yes, very good. Even when he's slipping, he makes the catch. Right, exactly. <laughs> From the 314, I'm sick of no NFL in St. Louis. I understand. Get used to it. It ain't going to happen. It's never going to ha- It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen, but I do understand that. You know, the Rams were so bad for so long. They mm-hmm. were such a point of misery in my life. Having to watch that team just struggle game after game was painful. But there are times when you certainly miss it. When the draft comes around, I miss yeah. having a, an NFL team in town. When it's a crisp fall Sunday morning and maybe you go outside to grab the paper and you, you feel that chill in the air and you know it would be a perfect day to go downtown and watch a football game, I'll miss it a little bit. There are definitely times where I miss it. It is nice with where we are. You can hop in your car and you can be at Indy. You can be at Lucas Oil Stadium in literally three hours or go the other direction down 70 and you can be at Kansas City in three and a half hours. So at least you have that option if you so desire. Or you could go five hours north and see a Bears game. Or five hours south and and see the the Nashville, uh, Tennessee Titans. There you go. So you've got a lot of different options. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Coming up. The great Greg Amzinger of MLB Network joins us as he does every Thursday on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. MLB Network's Greg Amzinger is on MLB Tonight every evening, and he, Greg, joins Carriker and Smallman every Thursday morning here on 101 ESPN. Greg told Emily, as she called him for this hit on our show, that he did a four-hour live look-in on Tony LaRusso's White Sox and the Twins last night. That was a marathon. How are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm feeling great. No, look, we try to uh, bring the MLB Tonight style uh, to our showcase game, which is basically our game of the week. 
And I loved it. We're in Studio 42 where Harold could jump up and do a demo of Tim Anderson or Billy Hamilton taking a big lead and try to steal a base from second to third. And we can do breakdown tapes. Dan, please say I can act like a goofball. Uh, and, and we can give you updates and live look into the other games. So the format is actually blowout proof. And we were kind of waiting. It's the third time we've done it. Not that I'm rooting against a good game, but I was kind of I was kind of rooting against a good game, and, and it was twelve to three in the fourth inning, and we flew around the league. There were so many other games going on, and it was fun, and it was a new style of doing it, and it was kind of baseball for the ADD kid out there, and I'm one of them. So I had a blast for four hours. It was a good time. Greg, I got to tell you, as a fan of Tony Larusa, I'm kind of concerned about the three and a half hour game for him. <laughs> I got, hey, you know what? We, we met with him before the game, okay, Randy? And I was taken aback by how chill and relaxed he is. He respects these guys so much. He said Tim Anderson is already one of his top five favorite players he's ever managed, and think of the guys he's managed. He loves doing what he's doing. He's not overthinking it. He's got a great young staff that that they understand how to communicate with the front office and make things work. He thinks Shelly Duncan, who is on his staff, and he takes all the analytical information and kind of translates it to the players. He's going to be a manager someday. It doesn't look like he's got the same intensity that wore him out back in 2011. He, he is relaxed. He barely has his cap on his head, which I don't understand why that is. And, and he's just chilling, man. He, it, it's weird. It, he, his tone, and I told him this, it's like he's on vacation. And, that, and that's the way he's going about this right now. A chill and relaxed Tony Larusa. I don't know if I can envision that, Greg. And who knew, right? I mean, look, maybe we all find our prime when we're 76. We can only be so lucky, you know what I mean? So, Greg, when are the Dodgers going to find their prime? They're sitting at 20 and 17. They're third in the NL West. Why are they underachieving? You know, when you lose an MVP, it actually creates a significant dent offensively. And Cody Bellinger is a terrific talent. Hasn't played in their lineup yet. The starting rotation is supposed to be better than than this. It's supposed to be the best rotation we've ever seen. I am going to give you a conspiracy theory, which is what I love to do. Uh, Go back to the story that Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic reported that Major League Baseball looked into – seven to 10 baseballs that Trevor Bauer was throwing in a game. And it wasn't just Trevor Bauer. They were worried about the Dodgers were dominating in their rotation and in their bullpen. And if you go back to that date and then look at the Dodgers record, they have been completely deflated. Their ERA collectively has been inflated. And I'm just wondering if pine tar was accidentally getting all over their baseballs at Chavez ravine. And since major league baseball said, cut it out, they don't have the same kind of spin rate and command that they had when the season opened. So I've noticed that I went back and looked at that date. They went on a horrible run where no one expected them to lose 15 out of 20 games. Uh, the Padres series really did wipe out them emotionally. And then all of a sudden you look at the lineup and you're thinking, okay, the Dodgers are by far the best team in baseball. Right. And after Seager, you're like, okay, uh, this Beatty guy is good. Max Muncie, Chris Taylor, Will Smith. This is the heart of the offensive juggernaut, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Wait a minute. I like Goldschmidt, Arenado, DeYoung, and Yachty a little better than that. So I think this mirage that they are perfect was created because of a 60-game pandemic shortened season that they dominated in. They got off to the hot start. 
they added other pieces like Bauer, so we thought they were going to be untouchable. But, man, they, they are very mediocre right now. And the NOS is kind of up for grabs, including a team like the Giants in play, which I'm still not buying them either. Hey, Greg, you watch a lot of games at once, and I know you always try to keep a close eye on the Cardinals. Boy, do, do you notice a major difference with Harrison Bader playing center field rather than somebody else? Night and day, man. Night and day. When he slipped and fell at the track and, and low cane, t- tagged up at second base and scored last night, you, you can overlook that play. But like, at least he caught it. The athleticism and core strength to fall down and still lunge to make that catch. This guy is a physical specimen. And his speed, running things down. We're looking at the Minnesota Twins right now and what they're lacking in center field with Byron Buxton out on the aisle. They got Max Kepler, who's eerily similar defensively to Dylan Carlson, a a plus corner outfielder, but he's an average, mediocre center fielder defensively. First inning last night, there's a fly ball that should have been caught. Abreu hits it. It goes off the base of the wall last night in Chicago. Max Kepler isn't Byron Buxton. You take these plays for granted that the great defensive center fielders can make. And we had Torrey Hunter on the broadcast last night as as a guest, and it drives him crazy when he sees the Ahmed Rosarios in Cleveland, former shortstop of the Mets, learning how to play center field in the big leagues. Nick Senzel, a third baseman drafted out of college, a middle infielder throughout the minor leagues, learning how to play center field with the Reds in the big leagues, it's an important position that you should value. Cardinals have their gold glove caliber center fielder back, and you're going to see a lot of big moments. Just get silenced, which really doesn't show up in the box score. Harrison Bader, extremely valuable to the team. And he's hitting, by the way, which is a good thing. It is, Greg. So since we got the word that the Angels designated Albert Pujols for assignment, everyone's been wondering what his next move is. What do you think the future holds for Albert Pujols? Is this the end? I, no, I don't think it's the end. He really wants 700 home runs. I think he really wants to get and stay in shape uh, to next year. He believes, a lot of people believe this, that with a new collective bargaining agreement, there will be 30 teams employing a designated hitter. I also believe that will happen. And his market will be larger. Now, is there a chance no one will want him? Yes, absolutely. I mean, he was below league average offensively for the last couple of years. Um, but he still has value to one particular team. And I've said it before, I said it a long time ago, and I think people in St. Louis rolled their eyes at it. You know, Albert Pools is one of the greatest Cardinals of all time. Now, the, the way it ended with the Angels, it's what he gave away. He gave away the ceremony at the end of his career, which he could still get back. I mean, Mariano Rivera had the ceremony. Derek Jeter had the ceremony. Even Ozzie Smith, while he wasn't playing every day, the Cardinals gave him a standing ovation, Cardinal fans, every time he came to the plate. But when you sign and take the big money, stuff like this can happen. That's how it ended with the Angels. I still think this year, if Albert's going to play, I have a short list of teams that could explore an Albert Pools addition. Number one on my list would be the Kansas City Royals. They've lost 10 straight games. Very disappointing. You could put Solaire in right, Ben and Tendi in, in, in left. You got, you got Dyson and Taylor platooning in center field. O'Hearn is not moving the needle at all. Albert could play with Santana at first. He could DH for his former manager, uh, Mike Matheny. That, that, or not former manager, but a guy that he knows really well, former teammate. So he could actually do that. I think the Cleveland Indians are the best pitching in the AL Central, even better than the White Sox, believe it or not. And, and they can't generate any offense. Offensively, they're weak. They can explore Albert Pujols, potentially, uh, as a DH. And there's one National League team. I'm just going to put this out there. One NL team that might go, you know what? 
We got Daniel Vogelbach hitting 200 playing first base. The Milwaukee Brewers have Jackie Bradley Jr. as a middle-of-the-order bat. You don't know what you're going to get when Christian Yelich comes back with chronic back injuries. And they've got terrific pitching. So Colton Wong and Albert Pujols on the right side of the infield, could you imagine? So I'm going to get the Brewers <laughs> as the only NL team. And could you fathom Albert Pujols competing against the Cardinals month of September to win the NL Central? Whoa. So those are the only three teams that I think is a realistic shot with. That would be great theater. The Angels, it, it was palatable for them to swallow the rest of the $30 million for this year. The Tigers still have $64 million on the books after this season for Miguel Cabrera, who's hitting 160 with a 259 on base and a 512 OPS. A 512 OPS. Would the Tigers, do you think, say, you know what, it's not going to happen. We'll just swallow the 64-plus. Yeah, I do. I don't think it's going to happen this year. But I think next year you'll see uh, Miguel Cabrera. He, he might not be on the team come opening day next year. But I think the rest of this season they already they kind of made their bed. Uh, and, and, you know, they got Spencer Torkelson in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. They, they want to groom him. He's eventually going to be the first baseman of the Detroit Tigers, and he's, he's a you know, number one pick, Arizona State superstar. They really think he's the future face of the franchise, and they've got talent coming up in their farm system. But the Detroit Tigers, that, that contract is going to make Albert Pujols look like a Max Scherzer contract <laughs> with the Washington <laughs> Nationals because it's so bad. So it's unfortunate because as, as you know, the Players Association, the union, uh, tries to fight with league owners about contracts and guaranteed money and, you know, you guys are offering us multi-year deals. Man, all they have to do is just continuously slide these contracts, the Robbie Cano's, the Albert Pools, the Prince Fielders, the, the Miguel Cabrera's, all these long-term contracts, Josh Hamilton, they all blew up in owners' faces. So other than Max Scherzer, who I think it's the greatest $200-plus million contract in the history of baseball, um, it's hard to find another deal that panned out. Uh, do I think Mike Trout's will? I do think Mike Trout's $400 plus million contract will pan out. But even right now, there's panic in, in Flushing, Queens. Watching Francisco Lindor look like an average offensive player with a $341 million contract. So, yeah, Miggy is kind of the face of what's happening. Aging positioning players, uh, aging position players, not aging well. And uh, it's been a theme, unfortunately, this year. Finally, Greg, I'm not a huge Star Trek guy, but I am aware of the the idea and the reality of, and I hope it's a reality, of being able to beam somebody up because I want to be beamed all over this country. You guys take social media tweets on your show. And the other night, somebody actually had the gall, the unmitigated gall, to tweet to MLB's MLB Tonight Show that Greg Amsinger's hair looked off. And Greg, I loved your defense. You say, hey, send in a picture of yourself. I loved that. But I want to be able to be able to be beamed to this person and punch them right in the face. (laughs) Well, thank you, Randy. I do appreciate uh, how protective you are over my hair. Um, what I said was, I looked at the camera, I go, come on, man, I want to see what you got under there. Mm-hmm. You, you can use your thumbs and you can talk trash, but take your hat off. Uh, let's see your receding hairline yep. and let's see what you got on top of your head. Cause guess what? It's not this. And I pointed towards my hair. Um, look, I, 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 my hair's a little long. Uh, our researcher, Matt Baker is, he's unbelievable, man. He's like rain man of baseball stats. He actually did some, uh, uh, investigating. This guy has made numerous tweets about my hair. He's obsessed with my hair. Mm. So he watches my haircuts. He watches how I style my hair. He once tweeted that it looks like Greg's getting a little salt and pepper. Like this guy's out there, man. So, you know, 
I might need you, Randy. I might need you as my bodyguard <laughs> walking around. Bodyguard. Because there's a guy that really does think about Greg Amsinger's hair more than me. And that's, a, that's crazy. That's a lot of time thinking about your hair, Greg. But just know that je- jealousy is a disease. So let's all hope he gets well soon. Yes, you know, and I'll take it as a compliment, you know. At least I have some to talk about, and I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, you're always the best. We appreciate it. We'll be tuned in tonight, and have a great day. You guys are the best. See ya. See you, Greg. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, always fantastic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to get to Elizabeth Overstreet. We're going to talk to her about J-Lo and Ben Affleck. Come on, you two. Elizabeth is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN. And we've talked a lot about the breakup of A-Rod and J-Lo and her subsequent dalliance now with old flame Ben Affleck. And we wanted to get to the bottom of this and get some ideas from a relationship expert. So celebrity relationship expert Elizabeth Overstreet joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. Elizabeth, thanks. thank you so much for taking some time with us to discuss this important matter this morning. Randy, thank you for having me on the show. We're, we're thrilled. I want to start with this. All right, you've got J-Lo and A-Rod. They were engaged for two years. They break up on April 15th, and literally two weeks later, she's hanging out with an old flame. So does this relationship with Ben Affleck that J-Lo is experiencing right now, does this have a chance? You know, it's hard to say. Um, sometimes you are not aligned with someone when you're dating them. There could be different things happening in their life. And when you think about Ben Affleck and some of his history, we now know on the back end that he's gone through a lot of addiction issues and recovery. So we don't know if that impacted their relationship. And he started speaking very highly of J-Lo, you know, in the news as of late. So you just don't know if these two were actually just not with each other at the right time. But that being said, I do think that it's a little soon for her to be jumping back to him, but I can see why she might do it because there's familiarity there and there's a history there with him. Elizabeth, they broke up. Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez did the first time. They called off their engagement, and one of the reasons that they gave was the intense media scrutiny surrounding their relationship. It doesn't seem like now in 2021 with social media and the way that this relationship has already been received the second time in the media that that's going to go away. So if they want to make it work, these two crazy kids, how do they overcome that this time? I think they keep things as private as possible. Unfortunately, that's kind of out the window a little bit because we are aware they are interacting with each other. I think they take it slow. Uh, They keep their circles tight and they just take time to kind of figure out if they are compatible at this point and not include the media as much as possible. Because in the in the mix of when they were very uh, scrutinized by media, we got to think of how the world was during that time. You know, J-Lo is a very um, strong Puerto Rican woman. Ben Black is a Caucasian male. And during that time, interracial couples, it wasn't as acceptable as it is now. So we don't know how that may have played into their dynamics as well. Because when she married, when J-Lo married to Mark Anthony, she, she mentioned getting a lot of street credibility because, you know, she was part of this strong Latino couple, right? So you just don't know the factors that may have played into them not being the right mix at that time. And now moving fast forwarding to this time, now that's not even an issue. We don't know what the other underlying issues are. So we just have to kind of wait and see how this, you know, plays out. 
Elizabeth, I'll tell you this. This has to be an underlying issue. 2012, Ben and Jennifer Garner were with other people. Affleck was dating J-Lo. Affleck later said that when he and Jennifer Garner fell in love, that he was dating J-Lo. In an interview with Playboy, he said, we met on Pearl Harbor, which people hate, but we fell in love on Daredevil. If you're Jennifer Lopez, you've read that. How can you go back to a guy that fell in love with somebody else while you were engaged to him? First of all, I think we hated Daredevil, too, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> no, but but to your point, you make a very valid point, Randy. I, I feel like when we go to exes, when, when we have exes, they're exes for a reason. And I do remember on the end of the relationship that she was devastated because he really did leave her and then he jumped to this other relationship. So that should be a sign to her. But I feel like J-Lo is a relationship person. She is She needs that relationship connection she she jumps pretty quickly she moves forward pretty quickly um so i don't i think you do have to look at history because history does repeat itself um and it's often an indicator that comes back again in the current state of the relationship so i so it is interesting because the media you know from media reports and from her friends they're saying that she's just kind of weighing it out right now she hasn't made a decision if she's going to engage with him on that level so we don't know what kind of game he's spitting <laughs> at j-lo to, to say hey i've changed i made a mistake i'm a different man now we, we don't know those factors hey this is a guy that left a vacation with his family jennifer garner and three kids so that he could take the nanny to vegas yes good point so uh, you know i don't i don't know how much trustworthiness is there no i i mean as a relationship coach i would definitely be telling her to stand back on this one um and and not engage and i and i'm really curious why she feels the need to engage and i don't know if being with a rod and the rumor being that he cheated on her if she's feeling a lack of confidence because you could be a very powerful successful person and still lack self-esteem and confidence and for her to go back to someone who just who did something to her in in his history of dating her and also in the history of his being with his wife right and the nanny and then to you know on the on the heels of, of a rod i can't help but think that there's some healing that needs to happen and some reckoning uh within j-lo that needs to happen at this time yeah elizabeth you led me right to my next question so j-lo <laughs> is obviously one of the most famous and powerful women in the world and not only were there rumors that a rod had stepped out on her the rumors were that he did so with a reality tv star which just feels like a step below jennifer lopez it feels dirty being, it feels yeah, dirty it does yeah, feel dirty yeah. absolutely so if you're jennifer lopez it just kind of seems to me like maybe getting back with ben affleck is reclaiming the headlines i just don't see her as somebody that's going to let a reality star dominate the headlines of her breakup because like ben affleck's back tattoo she's a beautiful phoenix that rises from the ashes so i wonder if there's any sort of um maybe pettiness involved in this and if that's going to doom her relationship benefer 2.0 you know what there could be i'm not really sure i know the one thing that fueled her relationship with a rot was competitiveness right she said that they really helped to push each other to a, a different level and it's interesting that even though they broke up, they said they're going to continue to do business interests together. So it's like they recognize they have certain things that are similar. So I don't know if this is a play to get attention, but if it is, it's sad because Jennifer is a beautiful woman. She's successful. A lot of women look up to her. She has a lot to offer. And I actually like that she started dating someone more aligned with who she was. I thought that was a good starting point. So for her to go into this to be petty is definitely not a good move for her, her, for her image and my, for my perspective. And also just 
for her ego, you know, internally. It has to be messing with her a little bit just you, because for someone to go to this extent, it's like it's not worth it. Elizabeth, you're, you're great at what you do, and you, people can go to ElizabethOverstreet.com and see uh, the great work that you do in terms of being a relationship strategist. Here's one that I don't think that she can overcome, and I can't imagine that Ben Affleck and Alex Rodriguez could ever go back to her. So she made it a point to say that she's living a dream because as a girl from the Bronx, she was engaged to a Yankee. Now she is seeing an avowed Red Sox fan again. What sort of loyalty do you think she's displaying? <laughs> How can anybody take her loyalty. seriously? If you're from New York, this is bad loyalty. Yeah. <laughs> we, know, we know that the, the Red Sox are like the, the Yankees' nemesis. But so, you know, I didn't think about it even from the sports analogy, but that's a good point. Like, what's that about? Is this personal? (laughs) Maybe that's it. Maybe it's maybe she'll wind up in the first row at a Red Sox game again just to taunt a a little bit. Just to piss A-Rod off. Yep. Good point. Good point. (laughs) Elizabeth, great stuff. This is something that. We obviously take very seriously, and we appreciate you taking some time with us. And we do advise everybody to go check out your website, ElizabethOverstreet.com, because uh, I, I checked it out, and you do have some wonderful thoughts on there. And obviously, you know what you're doing. Thank you very much. And, and for those people out there who are thinking about going back to an ex, think about why they are an ex first <laughs> before you make that decision. So don't follow JLo's example on this one. Use your intuition, your mind, and your experiences to, to make better decisions about dating. Great. Thank you, Elizabeth. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Elizabeth Overstreet, relationship expert with us on 101 ESPN. I just want everyone to know that Randy got an email about Elizabeth being available, and he forwarded it to Emily and I with all caps that said, must book. Yeah. Must book. Well, hey, we need to talk about this. This is serious stuff in our industry and in in our world, right? I loved your point, Randy. She is from the Bronx, was thrilled to be engaged to a Yankee, and now she's with a Red Sox fan. A Red Sox fan? It's tough. Come on. And here's the worst. The first time she was cited with Ben Affleck, this is the worst, was at the 2004 World Series against the Cardinals. Ugh, the she, so she dumps the Yankees to join the Red Sox against the Cardinals. She's the worst. How dare she? Terrible. Coming up next, get your text in, 65780. It's Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Five in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carriker, Smallman, and Michelle. And we do appreciate your text to the Air Comfort Service text line for take it or leave it. A couple of texts that we got during the break, Michelle. Number one from the 636. Randy knows way too much about Benefer 2.0. I do my research and I care. I That's care. right. Yeah. And uh, another one from the 314. Do we really care about J-Lo and A-Rod? Well, this is what we have to say. Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You're welcome to the party. This is what we do. We, we talk about A-Rod. Uh, this is a sports show, is it not? Alex Rodriguez, one of the most famous figures in sports, is he not? Yeah. One of the great redemption stories in the history of America. That's correct. So yeah. J-Lo performed at the Super Bowl halftime show. Did she not? She did. So There you go. All right. Uh, Michelle, take it or leave it. By next Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving 2021... Ben and Jennifer are together. Which Jennifer? Jennifer Lopez. Garner, <laughs> she's done with that. She's she's way beyond. 
Ben Affleck. So next Thanksgiving 20... This so coming this, Thanksgiving. This coming Thanksgiving yeah. 2021. I'm taking it. Definitely. Wow. I think these two kids are in for it and for the long haul. Crazy kids. These crazy kids. Now, I do, do think that Elizabeth gave great insight saying that maybe the relationship J-Lo should work on currently is on herself. Not that she did anything wrong, but just in the wake of the breakup, maybe she should take some time to heal before she moves on to Benefer 2.0. I choose me. Right. The most important relationship we have, folks, is the one we have with ourselves. You have to live with yourself every day. <laughs> so you need to work on that relationship first and foremost. And even though Ben has been writing her love letters since February, and even though they have a friendship and every great relationship is based in friendship, I do think maybe it was too soon. But I, th- I think if she's in it, she's in it. And they're going to be together. We're going to see them maybe at the Macy's Parade in New York City with their kids celebrating their love and Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm surprised he never woke up with my Blake Lively with their appearance on the town. He appears to fall in love with everybody that he gets on set with, whether it's J-Lo or Jennifer Garner or whatever. But he and Blake Lively, Blake Lively did a great job of playing a drug addict in the town. She was great in that movie. She was. And he was really good, too, by the way. It was a good movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. Uh, but I'm surprised that they didn't wind up together and he didn't steal her from Ryan Reynolds. Nah. I think they seem pretty rock solid. I think they do. Yeah, they look like they have a lot of fun. All right, Emily, what do you got for us? Oh, can I give one? Oh, I'm sorry. You, <laughs> I know you're we, so we worked up on JLo and a That's okay. Mine's quick. Totally, yeah. Mine's quick. So our old friend David Freeze had a great, a great tweet yesterday. He said, I thought my daily walk couldn't get any better. And then this guy drives by. He stops in the road and goes, hey, are you David Freeze? You ruined my life in high school. Go Rangers. <laughs> then he drives off. Texas does have its perks. Hashtag 11 and 11. Take it or leave it. You're surprised that hasn't happened sooner than it did yesterday. I'm going to leave it because I don't think, especially he's in Austin, right? Yes, he's in Austin. I, I, I don't think that there are that many high school people whose lives were ruined by David Freeze in Texas. Because they're in October, they're thinking Cowboys. Or UT. Yeah, something like that. They're wondering if so, Texas is back, folks. I'm impressed that one person recognized him, actually. Do you think if he goes to make a reservation at a hot spot, he doesn't use his name for fear that maybe the person answering the phone is a Rangers no, fan? I think he can do it in Austin. He wouldn't be able to do it in Dallas-Fort Worth, but I think he can do it in Austin with no problem at all. All right, thank you very much. Sorry I didn't get to yours. That's okay. <laughs> all right, Emily, what do you got for us? He was so entranced by Benefer. I, am, I still am. From the 314, take it or leave it. Flaherty will have six or more strikeouts today. Take it. Take it, definitely. Cardinals will score like at least eight because of the run support that they provide Jack Flaherty, right? Definitely. From the 314, take it or leave it. John Gant finishes 2021 with a lower ERA than his whip. I'm going to leave that. Say that one again. John Gant finishes 2021 with a lower ERA than his whip. His whip. His whip. Whip. I'm going to leave it to. Yeah, he's, he does a lot of, a lot of runners. Mm-hmm. He's going to wind up in the bullpen. When Michaelis comes back, who else do you put in the bullpen? If Carlos is healthy, yep. you, you know Flaherty and Wayno and KK, KK. are going to be in the rotation. Carlos is going to be in the rotation and Michaelis. So that moves Gant, especially with the departure of Jordan Hicks, into the bullpen. And heading into the season, I think a lot of people assumed Carlos Martinez would be that guy. Yeah, definitely. From the 314, take it or leave it. By 2024, the top of the Cardinals lineup is Edmund, Bader, Carlson. I'm going to leave that. Um, 2024, I'm still going Edmund, Carlson. Gorman? Maybe. 
2024, Arnado's still going to be yeah, here. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't Arnado still going to be here then? So. Yeah, and this is year two of Goldie's contract. So he'll be in the year five of his deal, too. So my guess is that if it's the same ownership and same Pobo in place, they'll try to justify the contracts, regardless of how the guys are performing. Good call. From the 314, take it or leave it, there's just not an opening for the Cardinals to make a trade right now. Yeah, I'll take that. It's too early. It's They, they aren't going to find what they need. And I don't know if they know what they need. Their needs can change dramatically, Michelle, by the time we get to the trading deadline. There could be, an, an, let's hope not, but an injury. You, ne- you never really know. But I would imagine if the team is still playing up to this level now that they might get reinforcements at the deadline. Yeah. Three weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, we would have said, we got to figure out which outfielder is available. Yeah, that's right. But not now. Heading into the deadline, I think a lot of Cardinals fans have looked at the Cardinals' activity or inactivity around that time in the past couple seasons and have been frustrated. And I wonder if with the acquisition of Nolan Arnato, if the, the outfield is performing the way that they are now, if the starting pitching is still great and the Cardinals really feel like they are in a position to go for it, if this might be different, this season might be different. Take it or leave it. If they have, And this is Michelle being Gersh and Moe. Okay. Take it or leave it. At the deadline, there's a chance that you go out and rent a shortstop. Ooh. There's a chance. There's a chance. So I'll take it. One of those half dozen that's going to be on the market during the offseason. Yeah. And maybe you give up a prospect and go get one of those guys to play shortstop for you and hope that he's better than DeYoung down the stretch in the last two months. I still think I'd rather add a pitcher, but there's a chance. So I'll Mm -hmm. take it. From the 636, take it or leave it, this is the best Cardinals defensive team of all time. You might have to take that because Lonnie Smith was such a detriment defensively in left field. Willie was terrific. Mm -hmm. George Hendrick was terrific. Obviously, Yachty is among the best ever. And Daryl Porter, by the time he got here in 1981 and when he played here in 82, had a bad shoulder and couldn't throw. Obviously, the 82 team had the best defensive infield of all time with Obergefell, Ozzy, Her, and Hernandez. And Ozzy and Hernandez, the best to ever play their position defensively. But I can absolutely get on board with the fact that across the board, starting eight, this is the best defensive Cardinal team that I have ever seen. Where's the hole? Yeah, there really isn't one with Bader playing. Mm-hmm. And I know people might be down on the fact that DeYoung isn't spectacular, but he makes all the plays, and the, the defensive metrics say he, he's one of the top three or four in the league. Mm-hmm. From the 636, take it or leave it, Andrew Kisner should catch every game for Carlos Martinez. Take it. I'm going to take that. They seem to have a pretty good connection, and I, with Carlos, if it's not broke don't fix it whatever's working for him right now and if kisner's part of that equation i would make sure that he gets that start and carlos we love the fact that you celebrate but don't don't celebrate so much don't celebrate (laughs) i appreciate you being hyped for your teammate but let's just make sure to sit down and chill out next time (laughs) throw water on a guy when he hits a home run that's right or clap give him the golf clap yeah absolutely thanks emily thank you and thanks for your text to the air comfort service text line 65780 how about your st louis blues the fourth place team in the Honda West with a 4-0 shutout last night, and they'll be back at it tonight to wrap up their season. But what do we get out of last night that might be applicable to playoff time? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
The Blues wrap up their regular season tonight at Enterprise Center against the Minnesota Wild. Pre-game at 6, action at 7 with Curbs and Joey on the call. And the Blues still don't know who they're going to play. If Colorado wins tonight against the Kings, Colorado will be the number one seed and the Blues will play the Avalanche in the first round. If somehow the Kings win at Colorado, then Vegas would be the number one seed and the Blues will see the Golden Knights. So they still don't know. Michelle, one thing we do know is that when you win a Stanley Cup like the Blues did a couple of years ago, and we saw it firsthand, everybody has to contribute. It is a war of attrition, and you have to have everybody on your team at some point during the playoffs contribute. Some nights it's Jordan Bennington. Other nights it's Gunnarsson. It could Mm -hmm. be Ryan O'Reilly. It could be Vladimir Tarasenko. But to your point, every single member of the team has to have their moment. Every single person has to be contributing. It's all hands on deck. There's no other way. And that's why I thought last night was interesting because you get goals from Barbashev and Schwartz and Krug and Perron and with Barbie's goal, Perron and Pareko get the assists. With Schwartz's goal, it's Shen and Kyrou that get the assists. With Krug, it's O'Reilly and Perron. And then on David's goal, Falk and Krug. So you had balanced scoring and people that are going to be playing but need to step up. At some point during the playoffs, you're going to need an Ivan Barbashev to score goals. You're going to need Krug to sc- step up. You mentioned during the break, you need to see Jaden Schwartz do what he did a couple of years ago and have some hot games and carry the Blues to victory. He's the one person that I'm looking at. There's a lot of guys that certainly could step up and rise to the occasion. Robert Thomas is in that conversation. You mentioned Barbashev. But if I'm circling a name that I think could really ascend during this time and propel the Blues into the next round, it is Schwartz. He needs to do what he did on that 2019 run get hot at the right time maybe have a couple of hat tricks who knows but he's a guy that we've seen do this before on the biggest stage and i and i think he's capable capable of doing it again obviously there's a lot that goes into succeeding come playoff time chief craig Bruby asked last night what are the biggest challenges for this team in the playoffs yeah well playoffs you know how it's you know it's it's you know it's tight checking and it's uh you know you don't have a lot of time and space out there in the playoffs, so you know pucks going to the net with traffic and things like that are going to be key. Um, so it's it's going to be important that we do a good job and you know get pucks through to the net and have traffic there and arrive on time and find rebounds and things like that. If we've seen any concerning trends from the Blues this season, it's not having their foot on the gas the entire game. The second period certainly had been a problem for the Blues this season. And it's getting in front of the net, getting the bodies in front of the net. And I'm with Chief there. If you can solve those two things or at least make those a point of contention as you approach this next round, I think the Blues are going to be in a good spot. And I wonder, Michelle, if at some point, perhaps early on in the playoffs, if we see Clem Costin, who's a Mm -hmm. big man, and Bob Hartley, his coach in the KHL, was on the fast lane yesterday and talked about how he, he went to Clem. They had a meeting and he said, what sort of player do you need to be when you get to the St. Louis Blues? What do the Blues want from you? And what they reached an accord at was he needs to be a power forward. He needs to be that guy that four checks viciously and goes to the net. And that's what Costin became in the KHL. If that's what Barubi is asking for from all of his players, and Costin does it as we've seen before. Craig Barubi has no qualms about putting a young player into a hot playoff fire right off the bat. If Costin comes in and he's a difference maker, is that Blues Devil magic? 
It is. Yeah. It <laughs> okay. would be. Definitely. It's like Sammy Blay a couple of years ago yeah. showing up and scoring a goal the first day he was back in there after a month of sitting. That's right. And even though this team has at times had rough patches throughout the season, I am still as confident as ever in Craig Berube and his skills tactically. And I know that he has such a good touch when it comes to line construction and finding a way to move around the pieces of the puzzle to extract the best out of players. And so I have no doubt that he would find the right spot to use him. Now, if the Blues play Colorado, well, if they play Vegas, either way, when they play in the playoffs, they're going to be playing the President's Trophy winners because if Colorado wins tonight, they'll not only win the division, but they'll win the President's Trophy. If Colorado loses, then Vegas will win the division and win the President's Trophy. Of Vegas and Colorado, Michelle, Mm -hmm. which team would you rather play? Either one is going to be a beast of an opposition, but I think I'm going Colorado. I think I'm going to say let's go abs tonight and i can't believe those words are escaping my mouth and it's for tonight only but i think the blues stack up better against the avalanche if you can control that top line which the blues have done in the past i think they have a better chance and you mentioned earlier the goaltending situation i think i would much rather go against colorado's goaltending than mark andre flory but either way it's going to be very tough for the blues but i think if i have to pick my poison it's going to be colorado The playoffs are a heavy game, and the Blues are still, even though they aren't as heavy as they were a couple of years ago, they're still a heavy team. And while the Avalanche have some big people that you just don't like playing against, Nathan McKinnon is a 200-pounder. He's a big guy. And even though Kadri is only 192, he plays like a 210-pounder, and you hate playing against him. And then... Uh, Landeskog is 215 pounds. He's a monster. Rantanen is 215 pounds. He's a monster. Nikushkin is a monster at 210. But they still have about half of their forwards that weigh less than 200 pounds. And oh, by the way, defensively, they aren't as big as the Blues are, or the the Blues were a couple of years ago. And, And they don't have their best, let me put it this way, their best defensemen aren't big guys. I would also rather play against Colorado because when you play against Vegas, it's going to be punishing. And I would rather play the punishing team later and hope that they get maybe punished a little bit by Minnesota and their big players. And maybe you could get a team that is a little bit back on their heels in in Vegas in the second round of the playoffs. I think Minnesota could beat Vegas. Mm -hmm. I don't think Minnesota can beat Colorado. And if Colorado wins, President's Trophy, right? Right. And if and if they lose, Vegas gets the President's Trophy. And that seems to be leaning in the Blues' favor. Right, yeah. The President's Trophy team hasn't won the Cup, I think, in eight years. Yeah. So I might as well knock them out in the first round. Why not? We believe in the curse of the President's Trophy. It's, it has happened. Sometimes, Michelle, and I don't, I don't know... I don't. I hope this doesn't wind up on the fight. But I seem to recall a President's Trophy winning team having a defenseman throw the puck into his own net, literally throw the puck into his own net to cost his team a game in the first round, and they got knocked out in the first round. I seem to remember that. I just don't remember what team, you don't what remember? player, what op- what opponent. You don't remember any of those details, Mega Mind? No, I don't. Maybe it's repressed. Have you blacked it out? <laughs> yes, I have. I'm going to bank that one for later. Okay. Is that selective memory? <laughs> it's very selective. <laughs> I've chosen to forget that one that happened on a uh, Saturday of the NFL draft. 
in 2000. That's how I feel about basically the entire 2013 World Series. I just block it out. It's a good idea. I just block it out so that I don't have that rage boil up. <laughs> Speaking of the 2013 World Series, that's been a topic of conversation in the fight in the last couple of days. We have the fight coming for you next. And that was, by the way, our fresh take here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallman. On this Thursday, it's 834. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And since it's 834, you know what time it is. It is time for the fight. And we have a special challenger going against Randy today. Sam is with us. And Sam, a little birdie, Emily, Emily is the birdie, told me that it's your birthday. So happy birthday. Thank you. How old are you today, Sam? I'm 17. You're 17. Well... Happy 17th birthday. So are you still in school? I'm on the way to school right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, I hope that you win in the fight and that you can brag to all your friends that you beat Randy on your birthday today. I hope so, too. All right. Well, good luck, Sam. Thank you. Question number one for you. The NFL released their 2021 schedule yesterday, kicking it off with a Thursday night football matchup of the Cowboys and Buccaneers on September 9th. Which NFL team hosted last year's Thursday night football season opener? Was it the Houston Texans, the Kansas City Chiefs, or the Los Angeles Rams? I'm going to go with the Chiefs. The New York Rangers fired head coach David Quinn yesterday. How many Stanley Cups have the Rangers won? Three, four, or five? Three. All right, Sam, question number three, Capitals captain and Caps all-time leading scorer Alexander Ovechkin recently returned to the ice after missing 11 games. Who was the Blues captain when Alexander Ovechkin took the ice as a rookie for his first NHL game? Was it Al McInnes, Dallas Drake, or Eric Brewer? Emily, is it okay if I give him the year? Sure, that's fine. The year was 2005. Ooh. I think that might be. Uh, could you give me the answers again? Of course. The question is, who was the Blues captain when Alexander Ovechkin took the ice as a rookie for his first NHL game in 2005? Was it Al McInnes, Dallas Drake, or Eric Brewer? I'll go with Al McInnes. And Garrett Cole became the fourth fastest pitcher in MLB history to reach 1,500 strikeouts, doing so in 1,315 and one-third innings. Who was the fastest? Was it Steven Strasburg, Chris Sale, or Randy Johnson? Randy Johnson. Okay, we're checking our score here. All right. Randy's on his way in. Sam, do you have any big plans for your birthday? Uh, not really. Just going to school and hanging out. That's about it. Going to school and hanging out. Well, you should plan something. A 17th birthday is a special occasion. Randy, you're getting your headphones on. Sam is with us, and it's Sam's 17th birthday today. Sam, happy birthday. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for playing today. No problem. Good Fun. for you. He's on his way to school. Thanks. Okay, good. Sam, where do you go to school? Uh, DeSmet, Jesuit. 
All right. Congratulations on your new football coach, Carl Reed. He's good. Yeah, he's a great guy. Shout out to Smet. All right, Randy. Question number one. The NFL released their 2021 schedule yesterday. Mm -hmm. It kicks off with a Thursday night football matchup of the Cowboys and Buccaneers on September 9th. Which NFL team hosted last year's Thursday night football season opener? Thursday night football season opener. I believe they did do it in Kansas City when the Chiefs came, uh, were coming off of their Super Bowl victory. The New York Rangers fired head coach David Quinn yesterday. How many Stanley Cups have the Rangers won? How many Stanley Cups? They've only won one in the last, uh, well, they've gone 40 years. I'm going to say that they have won because they went from the 40s to the 90s, 94 without one. I'm going to go with three. All right, Randy. Capitals captain and Cavs all-time leading scorer Alexander Ovechkin, excuse me, recently returned to the ice after missing 11 games. That's a lot of alliteration. Captain's yeah. captain and Cavs all-time leading scorer. Anyway, Ovi returned to the ice after missing 11 games. Who was the Blues captain when Alexander Ovechkin took the ice as a rookie for his first NHL game? And I can give you the year if you'd like because I gave Sam the year. Sure. 2005. 2005. The Blues were coming out of the lockout, and uh, it was either going to be Chopper. Uh, okay, so when we came out of the lockout, hope we aren't making you late for school, Sam. Um, <laughs> Tell your teachers, they'll get it. Chop, yeah. Chopper retired, and so the Blues, I'm going to say... Hold on. What year did we trade prongs? Uh, I'm going to say we trade prongs the next year. So it was either Drake or Pronger, and I'll go with Pronger. And Garrett Cole became the fourth fastest pitcher in MLB history to reach 1,500 strikeouts, doing so in 1,315 and a third innings. Impressive. Who was the fastest? Fastest to how many strikeouts? 1,500. 1,500. Koufax and Gibby got off to slower starts. Maybe Johnson got off to a slower start. I'm going to say Roger Clemens. Okay. Sam, it's a birthday treat. You guys have a tie. We're going to the tiebreaker. I guess a birthday treat would be a win, but I think tying Randy is a treat in itself. So that, That's a treat for me. Yeah, that's a huge W. And if you're late for school, tell your teachers, not only is it your birthday, so they should cut you some yeah. slack, and it's the end of the year, but you're going against Randy. Bragging rights on the line. Here is how this is going to work, Sam. I'm going to read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write his answer down on a sheet of paper here. We're going to give you first crack at it. You're going to get about 10 seconds to give us your answer. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Okay, Sam? Sounds good. All right. Randy and Sam, here is your tiebreaker question. How many batters played their sole career Major League Baseball game during the 2019 season? How many batters played their sole career Major League Baseball game during the 2019 season? That would have been... Okay. The last full season. Last full season. Correct. Okay. Uh, so we've got the like the Moonlight Graham thing going here. Oh man, it's tough. Yeah, I know. Emily comes up with the hardest questions ever. Very difficult. 
I'm going to go with 89. Okay. Sam goes with 89. Randy, your answer is? Six. Six. All right. Emily, we're doing the calculations. Ring the bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Sorry, Sam. I was really pulling for you on your birthday, but Randy was closest to the pin. We'll reveal that in a second. But the NFL team that hosted last year's Thursday night football season opener was the Kansas City Chiefs. The New York Rangers have won four Stanley Cups, 27-28, 32-33. Of course, you remember that one, Randy. Mm-hmm. 39-40 and 93-94. When Alexander Ovechkin took the ice as a rookie for his first first NHL game in 2005, Dallas Drake was the was boys' Drake captain. Here. Was Dallas Drake at that time. And Ovi's first game was October 5th, 2005. And the fastest pitcher in MLB history to reach 1,500 strikeouts is Steven Strasburg. Mm. It's Steven Strasburg. So the tiebreaker question was, how many batters played their sole career MLB game during the 2019 season? Sam guessed 89. Randy, I believe you guessed 6, correct? The correct answer is 13. Correct answer is 13. So Sam, sorry, Randy was closest to the pin, but thank you for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great birthday and a great day at school. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We appreciate it. Happy birthday. Sam with us on 101 ESPN. And next up, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, talk some blues playoffs with Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. Our Blues Insider is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend and Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, kind enough to join us on the heels of the Blues 4 nothing win over Minnesota last night. They play the Wild in their regular season finale tonight. JR, how you doing? Just full of kindness, uh, no kindness here. Just looking forward to every Thursday to talking to you guys. Uh, we always like talking to you, and we do appreciate that. All right, let's, before we get to who you would rather the Blues see in the playoffs, several weeks ago you did a piece, you interviewed Bob Hartley, uh, and had some great insight on Clem Costin. Last night you got a chance to see Clem Costin. Didn't have a shot on goal, did have a half a dozen hits, though. Do you think Costin plays any sort of a role for the Blues in the playoffs? Yeah, we'll see. You know, the Blues are going to find out uh, which injured guys they're going to get back. You know, they have a chance to get uh, Tarasenko back, Sammy Blay. Uh, Craig Bruby said there was a possibility for those guys, along with Vince Dunn, to play tonight. So we'll just have to see uh, if they're healthy. But uh, with these last two games kind of meaningless, they wanted to see what they had in Clem Costin, guys. And, you know, last night he gets on the ice and makes a play on the wall to keep the puck in the zone. And I think he whiffed on the shot, and I tweeted that if – if that shot goes in and Clem Costin scores 10 seconds into his return to the Blues, I think uh, Blues Twitter would have exploded. Uh, but uh, overall, a pretty good game for him. You know, 13 minutes, he led the team in, in hits with six. It was pretty obvious that they uh, said, go out there and be physical, play north-south, and he did that. I would expect that he'd play tonight. Again, that's depending on what the injury situation is. And then they'll have to make some decisions based on health, who's available, and uh, what they think Clem Costin can do in the playoffs. Speaking of playoffs, JR, the Blues still waiting to find out who their first-round opponent will be. Which team do you think is a better matchup for the Blues, Colorado or Vegas? 
Yeah, it's it's the pick your poison. It really is. And I know that's what Blues fans have been going through in their minds for the past uh, few days as this has uh, shaped up. I personally think that uh, Colorado is probably the better matchup. The Blues have played a lot of close games against them. I realize the Avs ran off a string of five straight wins over the Blues uh, during the regular season, but the Blues have played well against them lately. And, and a number of those games, even though the Blues lost them, were one-goal games. And I think the stat, you know, I'd have to retrieve it here, uh, but I think the Blues outscored them 5-on-5, five five, something like 15-13. to 13. The power play is where the Avs really got the Blues, but the Blues penalty kill has been better lately. And I think Nathan McKinnon, eight of his 14 points against the Blues, that's a lot of points in, in eight games, but uh, eight of them came on the power play, as I touched on. So if the Blues can kind of work on that PK and, and do a little better than they did in the regular season, against the uh, Avs power play, I think they'd be in okay shape. And JR, even though the Avalanche are pretty big, they don't play as heavy as Vegas does, do they? I don't think so, uh, but but I'll touch on the Avs in a second. But uh, to me, Vegas just comes at you in, in waves, and uh, they are bigger. I, you know, I think the wingers are bigger. They get in on the forecheck, and, and, and they play that style. With the Avs, they have all that skill up front. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, by the way, didn't play last night, won't play again uh, tonight. Uh, but the Blues have done a really good job against the Avs' top six. It's the bottom six that I think have burned the uh, the Blues a little bit. And you look at that game last night, uh, Colorado, they score six goals. And I think four of the six, including the hat trick from Comfer, we're from the bottom six, and, and so uh, they're strong there. And I think that's where if the Blues get into a series against Colorado, they're going to have to either minimize that damage that those guys have been doing to teams, or the Blues are going to have to get some production from their own bottom six. It'll seem just like a lot of playoff series where those top couple units cancel each other out. JR, on Monday night, um, Justin Falk got the overtime winner and the Blues win over the Kings, and he's had a really strong season. His his first season here in St. Louis wasn't everything that I think he or the fans expected it to be, but he's been really impressive this year for the Blues, and I'm wondering how important he could be for their playoff success. Yeah, I think when I was writing my story uh, yesterday, looking at back at this regular season, I probably needed you, Megan, mind to help me out there. I was trying to think of a St. Louis professional athlete who just in one season turned around the performance so dramatically and turned around the perception of uh, what fans thought about him in St. Louis. So, Randy, you, know, you can chime in there. But I'm going to go with Oscar uh, Sundquist. Oscar Sundquist is a good one, yeah. And, and uh, you know, he comes over from Pittsburgh and, and didn't look very good and kind of took a while to, to find his place with this lineup. Uh, but to me, Oscar Sundquist's uh, most dramatic turnaround I've seen with any Blues player uh, over the years just because you didn't think he was going to amount to anything, and he did. But with Justin Falk, he comes over with way higher expectations Definitely. than Oscar Sundquist and just, just didn't fit, and we all know why. There really wasn't that role for him on this team. But now this year, Michelle, with a role, uh, he, he's really grabbed it. And you can say there was a lull in the middle of the season with Justin Falk, but we have to keep in mind he's playing 24 minutes a night. There's no Colton Pareko in the lineup. Alex Petrangelo is gone. He had to take on a lot more uh, responsibility defensively, and I think that probably took away from the offense. Uh, but I think he's had a terrific season. Jr. Does Bennington play tonight? You think? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Now, Huso played great last night. Obviously, the shutout Blues' first shutout of the season. I think that the Blues are going to have three days off, Randy. It looks like that series might get going on Monday, and uh, with Bennington not playing last night, I think you'd try to get him uh, some action tonight before they go on this break. And uh, Michelle brought up uh, Justin Falk. 
defensively, uh, it seems like, just because of his experience, it would be a benefit for the Blues to get done back. But we spent a lot of the season lamenting the fact that the Blues had lost Bo Meester and Petrangelo. And you and I have talked a lot about the Blues having a guy like Mikola. Mikola, to me, looks like he's ready to go and play in the playoffs. I think he looks great. I thought he looked uh, terrific when he first uh, get, started getting some ice time at the start of the year. Really physical. And then I think he went through a period himself where, uh, you know, he was caught flat-footed a little bit, wasn't playing as physical, and then found himself uh, a healthy scratch and Jake Wallman stepped in there and ran with it but since then uh Mikola's back in there and, and playing exactly like you said and now they have a situation with Wallman where he tested positive so you know it could be a week or two before we see Jake Wallman again but as you touched on uh Vince Dunn could be back in the lineup tonight and I suspect that if he's healthy if he's deemed available to uh, play in the place in the, in the postseason that's who we would see but I don't think they'd hesitate to somehow find a way to get Mikola in there if they felt like uh, that physicality was necessary. Jared, when we're making the list of players that can put the team on their back and, and take over a game and propel the Blues to a postseason victory, you're thinking about Schwartz, you're thinking about O'Reilly. You get to a bunch of names before you get to Vladimir Tarasenko. Do you think that he's capable of doing that for this team at this point? Uh, at this point, I'd have to see it. I don't know that I could go into a playoff series against Colorado, let's say, starting Monday and say, you know, count on Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, like we saw him in that 2018-19 postseason. You look back, his point total, pretty impressive goal total. Um, but, no, as I go into a playoff series knowing that he's got, what, four goals in his uh, you know, 20 something games this season. And not only is he coming back from the, the shoulder, but now he's had this lower body injury where he's missed four or five games. You know, it's not just the lack of goal scoring that we saw when he was in the lineup, you know, but his, his shots are down. I think he's about uh, 2.4 a game, which was uh, a lot less than, than the prior full season that he played. So there just aren't the opportunities that he's creating. And so I, I just don't see it until uh, until you get in there and, and see how he looks now coming back from this other injury uh, to see if he's going to be one of those guys that you can really count on. All right, JR, I'm going to put on my blues-colored glasses, <laughs> and I'm going to predict that Colorado wins tonight. And I have a question for you, and I don't know if you can answer it, but I want you to give me a positive answer on it anyway. <laughs> we know that the playoffs are a completely different animal than the regular season. That being said, the Golden Knights this year went 3-4-1 and one against Minnesota. Could Minnesota, who the Blues have handled with relative ease, could Minnesota knock Vegas out of the playoffs? I think they could, and and you're right. That record is is pretty eye opening when you see how Minnesota handled uh, Vegas. You know, I think the Blues, uh, they're five one and one. I think against uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. this year with this last game tonight. You know, I don't think the Blues have seen the best of this Minnesota team. They're they're really good, and so yeah, if it shakes out tonight, Colorado. I get the win. Blue see them in the first round. We, we touched on that series. Uh, even though I favor Colorado, you know, I don't put it past the Blues to be able to, you know, potentially win that series. And then do you, do you see Minnesota in the second round? I really do think that that's a possibility. I think that that team, that Minnesota team, they're going to wake up a little bit uh, once they get into the postseason. And I think once, if they see the Golden Knights on the other side, they're going to feel pretty good about it. Looking forward to it. The playoffs are always great. JR, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. You guys, too. Thanks a lot. See you. That's our friend Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. It is really remarkable how quickly Justin Falk was able to turn things around. Yeah, it's great, and he found his role. He, they he put did. him on the right side. He, they made the proactive move to trade for him because they figured that Petrangelo was going to leave. Turned out to be a 
pretty prescient, prescient move on the part of Army. He gets that stability. He's playing on the side he's comfortable on. He's been great. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Cardinals fall to the Brewers last night, 4-1. to one. But we saw something that might be a harbinger of things to come for the Cardinals, and it might be a great thing. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Nine oh three in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carriker and Smallman. And Michelle, today's big thing, and we're seeing it game after game after game, is the impact of Harrison Bader's defense. And I'm of the belief that from now through the rest of the season, if he's healthy, that can be a game changer. That can be something that causes the Cardinals to win two or three games relative to what the Cardinals had in the outfield defensively before he got healthy. When he was out, you kept saying... This team really misses Harrison Bader, and I think we're going to see just how much they're missing Harrison Bader once he returns, and we see how much he impacts the outfield, and you're absolutely right. We're seeing it right now, and we always knew that Harrison Bader was an elite defender, but when he's not out there, you really do get the sense of why the Cardinals were so bullish on him and his abilities. He's the type of guy that is going to make almost every single play, and he makes everyone around him better. And Tyler O'Neill is one of those guys, and nothing against Dylan Carlson and his abilities in center field, but O'Neill was asked about playing defense in the outfield with Bader in center. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's a go-getter out there. Uh, so obviously why he's got the starting start spot out in center. So, um, you know, as a corner outfielder, I know it can be a little more uh, shaded towards the lines, a little more aggressive over there, and uh, kind of let him do his thing out in the out in center and in the gaps and stuff. So obviously knowing your outfielders, know what they can handle, and, uh, you know, we handle a, handle a good amount of ground out there. And one thing about Bader is the fact that he's played out there a lot at the major league level. So he understands that center field is the, the position that has to take charge. For sure. Yeah, I mean, that's his role. You know, Harry, Harry's a great outfielder, obviously. And, uh, you know, if he's uh, if he's able to catch the ball, it's his priority. Harry, are we down with the Harry, yeah. Harry nickname? I'm okay with it. Okay, I'm okay with it if you're okay with it. Yeah, Schulte calls him Harry. I, I hear it all the time, and it just doesn't seem like it fits. But I guess he does have gray hair. Great hair. Fantastic. Yeah, so Harry. it works. Harry, Harry, it works. Now, I don't even consider last night's slip because he caught the ball. And granted, it wound up being an error because it allowed a run to score. But... I thought that was more a great play than an error. So did I. We <laughs> talked to Greg Amzinger earlier in the show, and he talked about just the physicality that you have to have, the core strength that you mm-hmm. need to slip and still be able to gauge and catch that ball. And it just shows you how athletic he is and how talented he is that he could make that play. I was with you, even though it obviously resulted in an error and a run. I thought that was more impressive than anything. <laughs> Mike Schiltz on the error. Guy went back, gets back on the ball like he, like he normally does, and um, hit a soft spot, you know, he said out there and just feet went out from under him. And at that point, gosh, you know, you, you don't expect the guy to catch it. That's one heck of a play he made. And he's trying to make a play, get the ball to his glove and just, you know, obviously got away from him. But um, it was a heck of a play. You know, Johnny Gant threw the ball well. Um, and Cabby was really, really good. And, you know, Helsley throwing 100 on at the top of the zone. So, um, you know, good ball game, good pitching. Their guy was good and um, just came out with the short end of it. So with, with that outfield and, and with the warning track, how did Bader actually slip? Yeah, the grass, the sod, whatever the whatever, whatever you say, they, right, right where it meets the track just totally gave out. So pretty frustrating, yeah. I can imagine that that would be pretty frustrating. 
But he still made a great play. <laughs> I, I thought so, too. How many people make that play? Not many right now in Major League Baseball. Because you have to have the, the wherewithal to know where the ball is and maintain knowledge of where the ball is despite the fact that you're falling. Yeah. And you're on your knees. And then you have to, like Greg talked about, with the core strength to be able to lean over and make that catch. Very impressive athletically. Very impressive. And we always knew that Harrison Bader was elite defensively. It was the offense that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people had questions about. But he goes two for three last night. He's hitting 275. You, you see him on, on the base pass. He's fast. He can steal a base for you. It just seems like a lot of things are coming together for him right now. And certainly a, a manager likes having an elite player defensively in his lineup and Mike Schilt no different than the other 29. He's a very good defensive player and you know it's nothing against anybody he's you know people have uh, played to the best of their ability and and um, but you know you're talking about a there's a reason he's in the league uh, multiple reasons actually and one of them a big ones is elite defense and anytime you get an elite defensive player on the field it makes that position and people around him better. And Michelle, you mentioned the overall improvement, not only the defense, which was always great, but the fact that he is hitting, he is running, he is making an impact on the bases as well. Going on his fifth year in the big leagues and, you know, he's grown and, and uh, you know, now really learning the league and more comfortable and taking more, um, you know, he's always been an aggressive player, but now he's putting the preparation and the experience along with the aggression to, to become, you know, a very, very good major league player. And Mike Schilt said it. He said other guys were playing to the best of their ability out in center field, whether it was Carlson or Blaine Thomas or whomever. But the best of their abilities is different than the best of Harrison Bader's abilities. And I know it sounds old school, but baseball is one up the middle with the catcher, the pitcher, second baseman, shortstop, center field. If you have an elite center fielder, and we saw it with Jim Edmonds here in St. Louis for a long time, it helps you win games. And if you have a less than elite or deficient center fielder, it causes you to lose games. And don't you love that Harrison Bader has that relationship with someone like Jim Edmonds? He's he's worked with Willie McGee. Having those great players be people that mentor someone like him, I think is awesome. Now, this is early. This question I'm about to pose to you, I realize it's May 13th. We still have a lot of baseball left to play. But to this point in the season, what you've seen out of Dylan Carlson, the improvements with Harrison Bader, and Tyler O'Neill. Are we having a bit of an I told you so from the Cardinals to the fans on the outfield situation? To this point, I would say yes. When Tyler O'Neill stepped to the plate last night in the eighth inning, I was saying to him through my TV screen, don't swing hard. Just get your bat on the ball. Because if he hits the ball, it goes. Mm-hmm. And he goes apo taco. He does. We're going to talk about Dunctionary t-shirts in a moment. He goes apo taco, boom skis. We've yeah. seen the power from Tyler O'Neill the past couple games. He robbed Colton Wong in the third last night. He's He's been impressive. Harrison Bader's been impressive. And you have to like some of the things that you've seen out of Dylan Carlson. And I know that the outfield has been such a point of contention mm-hmm. for Cardinals fans for the past couple seasons. We have the list of players that have left St. Louis and have had success elsewhere. And I know that this was a really big make-or-break season for the Cardinals front office for for really putting stock into these players, for keeping these guys in lieu of a Tommy Pham or a Randy Rosarena. But up until this point, and again, it's only May 13th, I do think they're having a little bit of an I told you so moment. And remember, what they said they wanted to do was evaluate these players. And it's still early in the evaluation process. Correct. And I would say that if we were going to make a definitive decision on May 13th, that you probably would prefer to not have Lane Thomas at the major league level. And Justin Williams appear to be, appears to be just a guy. He'll have his moments. 
but is he a guy that you want playing 130 games in the outfield? No. But if they did well with three of the guys, Mm -hmm. then they have a chance to win. Now, are they going to win when you have Adolis Garcia doing what he's doing in Texas, when you have Randy Rosarena doing what he's done in Tampa? You probably are never going to look back and say, boy, we didn't need those guys. Correct. But in terms of what the Cardinals have playing right now, especially defensively, I think the Cardinals have to feel pretty good about where they are. Agreed. And you never know, as you've talked about, the Jeff Albert redemption tour continues. And maybe Jeff Albert has turned Tyler O'Neill into a guy that hits 20 home runs, 25 home runs. Maybe Harrison Bader, if he hits 275 and has a 790 OPS, I'm going to be really happy with that. I think everyone would be super pumped by that. So if the Cardinals can get what we would look at as really good production out of those guys then I think we we all have to. And I, I think that there are going to be moments where we're going to say, come on, Harrison, you struck out four times in a game. It's going to happen during the season. Oh, it'll definitely happen. But I think a lot of people looked at the situation that when the Mets were interested in Harrison Bader for Wheeler, right? That's yeah, the, Bader and O'Neill. Bader and O'Neill, And the Cardinals opted to hang on to both of those guys heading into the season. A lot of people wondered why the Cardinals would hang on to mm-hmm. O'Neill and Bader and not be interested in making that move. But I think we're seeing shades of why the Cardinals were so intrigued by these players and wanted to keep them around and evaluate them. And by the way, I brought up the 780 uh, OPS last year. Bader had a 779. Very small sample size, obviously. You mentioned the 275 batting average. 858 OPS through 45 plate appearances. If he winds up with an 858 OPS, we say, wow, the Cardinals are really good at developing outfielders. Correct. And a lot of people are texting in about Matthew Libertor in regards to Randy Rosarena. Mm-hmm. He could still develop into an unbelievable pitcher. And I... And yes, in the immediacy of what happened last postseason, we were all furious with John Moselak. Yep. And this is why we need to let things breathe. This is why having that knee-jerk reaction sometimes isn't the best way to do it and why it's good to have someone with a cool head like a John Moselak mm-hmm. making those decisions. Randy A. this season hitting 258 at the moment, three homers, 12 RBIs, and an OPS of 724, an OPS plus of 115, by the way. So... That's representative. You take a 724. You probably don't want that for the whole season. But then you have Adolis Garcia. And again, we go small sample size, but it's fun to look at the way the Cardinals can evaluate players. Not that they evaluate them to keep them, but he's got a 918 OPS, Michelle. Uh, Adolis Garcia, first full season in the majors, has nine homers, 26 RBIs. He's hitting 292 and has an OPS of 918 and 114 plate appearances. Man. And the Cardinals sold him. They, they just sold him to his contract to the Rangers. Yeah, that that one doesn't feel so great. No. But at least we aren't going to get anybody out of it. The, it was only cash. So if, if cash isn't going to fail, Libertor could fail. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather have the potential? Yeah, wouldn't you have the potential of an elite Matthew Libertor than just the cash? As a fan, I would. As a fan, I definitely would, too. But if I'm Bill DeWitt Jr., I'd probably rather have cash. That's true. <laughs> That's true. (laughs) That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN, that Cardinal outfield defense. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls. 
Randy, I know the Cardinals played last night. I know the Blues played yep. last night. But I know you had your eye on one thing, and that's the NFL schedule Locked release. in. We are so pumped about this. All right, I'm excited. <laughs> Here in St. Louis. Okay, so the NFL expanded the regular season schedule to 17 games. That begins this year. First time that this has happened since they expa- first expansion since 1978 when they expanded from a 16-game schedule. So what I'm going to do is I am going to read some, air quotes, marquee matchups for okay. you. And I want you to tell me, on a scale of 1 to 3, you can determine how you want to rank these, your level of excitement. Okay, my level of excitement, uh, the top, top shelf, the one that I will absolutely be watching will be i'm tuned in uh second one will be if there's nothing else on and my third one will be either hard pass or something else okay i like that barometer all right the regular season is going to begin with the dallas cowboys how about them cowboys facing the super bowl champion tampa bay buccaneers on thursday september 9th uh i'm probably if there's nothing else on gonna watch that one September 9th? September 9th, correct. Let's check and see if our Cardinals are playing, shall we? Shall we? Because I think that there's a very good chance that I might be watching the Cardinals that night instead. Uh, The Cowboys and the Cardinals uh, have a day game against the Dodgers. So, yeah, if there's nothing else on. If there's nothing else on, okay. Also, week one, what about the Browns at the Chiefs? Two teams with a lot of intrigue facing off first game week one. I'm tuned in. You're tuned into that one? Yeah. I'm tuned in. I'm intrigued. This is a Sunday afternoon? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm tuned in. If I'm not out playing golf or riding my bike. (laughs) Okay. Um, What about this one? Week 16, the Bills at the Patriots. Uh, This is, is this a Sunday night game? Probably. I know like the new Hallmark shows show up. This is week 16. This is going to be a new Hallmark Christmas show. And I know that that's going to be on the TVs. So I'll pass. So you're more interested in a Hallmark Christmas show. Depends on who the starlet is on the Hallmark Christmas show. Is there a starlet you um, like? Taylor Cole is my one on Hallmark. Taylor Cole. Yeah. She's kind of like my hall pass, apparently. Taylor Cole. Okay. Hold on. Stand by. Uh, I I don't know this to be fact, but I always hear from my daughter and my wife. Hey, there's a Taylor Cole Cole Hallmark show on. Okay. I have never heard of her. Never seen her before. Born and raised in Arlington, Texas, which I'm sure you know. Um, Okay. So she might be a cowboy fan, which would be a negative. 5'8". That's good. Okay. Um, Taylor Cole. So she is the queen of the Lifetime movies, I think you're saying? Yeah, she's doing a lot of those things. Okay. And there might be a Christmas one that shows up on week 16 of the NFL season. Didn't expect to ask you about the NFL schedule and find out who your hall pass is, but that's why I love this show, Randy. I learn new things about you all the time. (laughs) Taylor Cole, noted. Maybe we should get her on the show around that time. work on that. When her her (laughs) Hallmark (laughs) movie debuts. Okay, so what about this one? Bills at Chiefs week five. Okay, is this a Sunday night game? Let me pull it up. I don't I'm have the time. I'm thinking that week me. five is going to be interfering with my Cardinal playoff viewing. What's the date? Let me pull this up for you. Let me make sure Thank that you. I have I the exact. It. I wasn't prepared for the times here because I okay. thought you would don't worry just about look times. Let's just do dates then. So because I'm going to be committed. If 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 there's a Cardinal playoff game that day, and if it's October, there's going to be a Cardinal playoff game. Week five, Sunday, October 10th. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass because I'm going to be watching and devoted to Cardinal baseball that day. 
And by the way, could be having probably not Blues hockey that day, but Cardinal baseball playoff action that day. I like where your head's at. All right, finally, the one everyone's talking about, the Buccaneers at the Patriots week four. I'm tuned in. I am. Brady going back to New England. I want to see if he gets booed. Do you think he does? No, I think he gets cheered wildly. So having worked at ESPN, I'm sure Emily can attest to this. There's a lot of people that love the Patriots up in the Northeast. A lot of people. And most people that I know that love the Pats also equally still love Tom Brady. A lot of people were cheering for Tom Brady after he left New England, which shocked me because I would think that Boston sports fans would say, you you didn't pick us. You wanted to leave good riddance to you, Tommy. But no, they love him. They love Tom Brady. So I imagine he's going to get a great ovation. I would think so too. Emily, you agree? Yes, my uh, baseball tonight producer, big uh, Boston, he's from... Massachusetts big Boston sports fan. He posts pictures of his kids. They're all in Brady Bucks gear. Oh, really? Are yeah. any of them named Tommy? No. Okay. No. And you have a Brady jersey, right? I do. So she'll be you wearing just it outed that me. day. Yeah, that's okay. I was surprised that you didn't come up with the the Sunday night opener week one. Why? Because it's a pass. Randy, I know any game involving the Rams is going to be a pass for it you. It is. So that's why I, I didn't even put it up there. Yeah, you don't have to. That's a hard pass. I was trying to gauge your intrigue. I wanted genuinely to know what games you're interested in. I know you're not interested in, in watching the Rams. No, I'm not. I have no interest <laughs> whatsoever. You're not even intrigued to see if Matthew Stafford can be the guy? The only way, I'll watch the highlights the next morning when Khalil Mack knocks him out for the season. What if Justin Fields just absolutely goes out there awesome. and torches them? That'd be great. That would be great. So maybe you will watch. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll see. I'll definitely see the highlights the next morning. I don't think you could avoid the highlights on that one. No. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, one more NFL note for you, Randy. The Packers are signing veteran quarterback Blake Bortles <laughs> to a one-year contract. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, we know things aren't so great there. His future is in question. And the Packers are signing Blake Bortles, I guess, as potentially a little bit of insurance. How the mighty have fallen. Why bother? Why not just say, you know what? We'll play without a quarterback. We'll just run it all the time. Why? Like, you're doing the same thing if you sign Blake Bortles. Come on. Now, I know Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay are buds. And McVay has signed Bortles as an emergency guy a couple of times. But... When you still have Aaron Rodgers on your roster, you don't sign Blake Bortles. You sign Blake Bortles when Aaron Rodgers is no longer on your roster. You don't sign Blake Bortles unless it's an absolute emergency. Do you think that people in the Packers front office thought, yeah, maybe Aaron Rodgers will think if we sign Blake Bortles that we're moving on, that he can go ahead and retire, that we're going to find somebody to play in his place? Yeah, maybe. If, if Jordan Love isn't their starter, they got real problems. If if Rodgers isn't there and Jordan Love isn't their starter, they've got real problems. If they whiff on Jordan Love and he was the pick that angered Aaron Rodgers and this thing does Caused go sideways, that is going to be one of the most epic things that we talk about. Epic. And I feel so badly for Jordan Love, who's just a guy who got drafted, mm-hmm. who wanted to live his dream, and now he's in the middle of this massive feud. He's the the anger fuel for Aaron Rodgers, who can hold a grudge better than the Hatfield yep. and McCoys. I mean, it's unbelievable. I actually respect his commitment to holding a grudge. I mean, it's easier to just let things go and be miserable. This guy, no. He's going to hold a grudge until he gets his way. How ironic that a guy named Love is going to elicit so much hate. Uh, The irony. (laughs) The irony. 
He's just trying to love. <laughs> That's all. He's trying to love. Yeah, but nobody loves him back. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. <laughs> Coming up, we're going to talk to Scott Braun. He has the call today on the Cardinals' YouTube game with Dan Plesak and Matt Holiday. We'll talk to Scott about the cards and the Brewers next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Cardinals and Brewers wrap up their three-game series this afternoon at American Family Field in Milwaukee. And this afternoon's game is a YouTube game. Just go to youtube.com slash MLB. It starts at 1240, a noon pregame on YouTube with Mark DeRosa and Adnan Verk. Scott Braun will have the call. And Scott joins us now on the Braun and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Scott, welcome to 101 ESPN in St. Louis. How are you doing today? Randy and Michelle, pleasure to be here. Good morning. Doing great. And I feel very fortunate for the pitching matchup that we have today. Yeah, it's pretty darn good. It doesn't get much better, does it? No, it really doesn't. I mean, these are two of the top pitchers, obviously, in the division, but even in all of baseball. And Corbin Burns back for the first time in a couple weeks. Always curious where this is a guy who did not have a rehab outing between when he last pitched and now. So you always like to see if there's some rust. Yesterday he goes... No. They asked him, and he just said, do you anticipate rest? He just said, none. And then, of course, we've seen what Jack Flaherty can do. So I'm psyched. These are two of the young, hot pitchers in the league. Scott, you're calling the game on YouTube, and Randy and I were just talking in the break before you joined us, and I'm curious, do you prep any differently for a YouTube game? Is there anything unique about the way that you get ready to call a game that's going to be featured on YouTube? That's a great question. I I do prep like I would for a game that I would do on MLB Network. And then there are a few other bells and whistles, but most of them just have to do with knowing what we're getting for this particular game. And what I mean by that is who are the players that are going to be mic'd up? And so I can give you, before anyone else knows, that it is going to be today, Harrison Bader and Colton Wong. So Cardinals fans will love that. We have had such money sound from some of the players so far this year. I think opening up more than ever, having fun with it, acknowledging that, they're on YouTube and that some of the, their teammates will know that they have mics and say hi to us. So it's really cool. Um, obviously, we're not interfering with what they're doing during the game. We're not talking to them live during that part, except for a player that's not going to be playing in the game. So I can give you two more of those as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess prep-wise also, I'm preparing to speak to a couple players, which we'll do each game. Today, that will be Brandon Woodruff and Adam Wainwright. So just for a half inning, have a little chat while we're watching the game get their insight on what's going on and what's going on in their world as well. So there's, there's a few of those bells and whistles that are involved with YouTube. Um, also, there are some creators that are in a live chat, and so we just kind of answer their questions throughout the game um, organically throughout the broadcast when things come up, and then they'll ask some questions to some of the players as well. So, so yeah, a little extra prep, um, but fun prep, because I love all access that we're getting for these games um, from the players like we've never seen before. Those are four great players that you're going to have mic'd up, especially we have Adam Wainwright on the show every week. He's going to give you a lot of good content, I can promise you. But has that been um, interesting determining which players are going to be mic'd up? Because I I assume some players probably like it because they realize the exposure that they're going to get and it shows a different side of their personality. But I wonder if some players don't want to do it and you have to convince them why it's a good idea. 
Yeah, luckily we have incredible producers that they can talk me into anything, so I'm sure that's what they do with some of the players too and say, hey, this is going to be good for you. And, of course, we're, we're going to air all the good stuff that you're saying and all the funny stuff too. So, yes, I mean, I've come across – I've been at MLB Network for, for a decade now, and you come across players that can't stop talking and have the most – um, you know, interesting stories and, and they're hilarious. And then you've got players that are um, a little more shy. You also have a lot of players that evolve over time and, and kind of find themselves in their personality. So, so yeah, you get the mix. Luckily for us, we've had, we've had stars for the most part. I mean, Nelson Cruz was mic'd up recently. Shane Bieber, who's obviously one of the best pitchers in the sport. And, and you get, of course, you're getting Michelle, the baseball conversation sometimes where they're talking about, you know, a home run or, Oh, I thought I was safe there, whatever. But then you're also getting Shane Bieber, for example, on an off day, who's watching the game and he's talking to another player about charcuterie <laughs> and, and the player that he's next to, I don't remember who it was, was saying it's like charcuterie. And he's like, dude, no, there's, there's no extra accent on that. What are you doing? <laughs> so just those kind of combos that, that I'm just dying to hear about that are going on in the dugout. So that's, that's what's special to me. I think we've been able to find enough players that are, are I think, more than willing to be mic'd up and have fun with us. Scott Brom will have the call for the Cardinals and the Brewers this afternoon on YouTube. It's a YouTube game, youtube.com slash MLB. Scott, what are you thinking of the Cardinals now? You've obviously paid attention to them as you approach this game with Bader back in center field and the way things are happening. What's your read on the 2021 Cardinals? Randy, I think they're the top team in the National League Central at the moment. I, I think we're watching the two top teams. For me, I mean, you're early on in the season, so standings, you're not going to have anybody, you know, running away with it just yet but I do think it's clear cut in my mind one and two in the NL Central and I do believe that St. Louis and Milwaukee I give the edge to St. Louis for more star power and I think ultimately more offense and homers I know you know last year and and in the past few years there hasn't been as much pop in the bats from the Cardinals but of course we're witnessing that this year and it makes sense with the addition of Nolan Arenado you expect you know at least another 30 home runs added to the roster and then even just more protection for the rest of the lineup so and I just think even players that are continuing to develop Dylan Carlson in year two even though I think if he's technically he might still be a rookie in terms of his status and then Tommy Edmond so overall when I'm looking at this team and, and what I think Jack Flaherty is capable of as well last year kind of a, a weird season and also most of it as I was looking through things for him for today's game has to do with uh, a career high nine runs in one of his outings last year aside from that his ERA was still in the three range so so with all that being said, I, I do think, Randy, the Cardinals are the top team in the National League uh, Central, I should say. Um, but there, there's been some hiccups in the NL West. I mean, coming into this yeah. season, we go, okay, Padres, Dodgers, they're going to dominate. They've both, both had their issues. And then in the NL East, you thought, oh, wow, there's, there's four contenders. But really, you're still waiting for any of them to emerge. I think St. Louis, I really do. I think they're as strong as any team in the National League. And if you told me in October that they're in the World Series, I would not be surprised. If you told me that, of course, before the Nolan Arenado acquisition, I would have been a bit more surprised. But now I'm not. So I think it's a top four, I would say, team in the National League and top in their division at the moment. I'm impressed. I think all around that they're as balanced as any team in the National League right now. And as great as the Brewers pitching is, and especially the back end of their bullpen, and you've got Woodruff who pitched last night, and as you mentioned, Burns today, I wonder if if Yelich doesn't get back to being Yelich, I wonder where the offense comes from. Yeah, that was my primary concern, because when you match up the Brewers with the Cardinals, starting rotation-wise, I'll give it to Milwaukee right now with Burns and Woodruff at the top in the emergence 
of Freddie Peralta. I would call the bullpen pretty close. Um, and, and also the reason why I love both of these teams, Randy, is I'm a big defense guy. It shows up so much more in the playoffs, and, and both of these teams, I think, are standout in terms of their defense. But, but offense is the separator for me. That's where I give St. Louis the edge at the moment with, with a, a healthier team, a more balanced team. And you're right. I mean, the Brewers revolve around Christian Yelich. All of their big bucks are spent on their outfield. And, you know, there's been some injuries there, too, with Lorenzo Cain, Jackie Bradley, kind of a streaky hitter. Um, and then when you look at their infield, yeah, there's still – I mean, there's there's decent offensive players, but I think players still, as, as you know, with someone like Colton Wong, more known for their defensive game. So I agree. I mean, I, I think that's a huge, a huge issue for them. That's one that they would want to address during the trade deadline. And it is possible. I mean, it's, it's actually, I think, usually harder to pay up for a pitcher at the trade deadline just because every team's going for one. There's many teams that don't have a spot for a starting, say, outfielder or infielder that I think Milwaukee could pick up. But I think they're also hoping that Christian comes back and, and feels 100%. You just have to wait it out. Because I think Milwaukee, even if they have to tread water for another few weeks without him, they'll, I think they'll be fine and they can hold off. But ultimately, you need Yelich for the second half of the season. Scott, I wanted to ask you about uh, a big-time headline that we've been talking about over the past week here in St. Louis, and that's of Albert Pujols. He's looking for that next home. He's wondering what the next step is going to be in his career. Do you think this is the end for him? And if not, where do you think would be a good landing spot for him? You know, Michelle, I was looking through teams when it happened, what was it, about a week ago from today, and I couldn't really come up with one, to be honest. So I, I think there are teams that might give it a shot or might you know, suffer an injury or so. Um, but I couldn't come up with a team. You know, I, I think it probably should be an American League team where he can mix in as a designated hitter for the most part in my mind. It's, it's, to me, it's difficult to find a spot just based on, on the numbers that, uh, that Albert's put together in the last few seasons. And I, I'm going off of, you know, OPS Plus, which as a hundreds league average, you know, he's been below that mark for, for quite a bit. Um, you know, the defense is it's, it's serviceable, but it's not going to be your everyday first baseman. The two teams that were brought up right away, right, were teams like the White Sox to reunite with Tony La Russa. That seems to just from reports, and I don't know if they said something too, but kind of not be uh, a factor for him. Um, you know, St. Louis is obviously not going to be a spot for him with Goldschmidt and ODH. So, I, Michelle, I really can't come up with a team. When, I, when I've gone through all of them, um, there's nothing that comes to mind. I, I heard someone throw out Seattle, but they have a young guy in Evan White who's probably the best defensive first baseman in the league, and he's one of their kind of emerging young players. And, um, yeah, maybe a DH there a bit, but for, they, they have young players coming up that I think would outproduce him. It's, it's just real talk. Albert's a legend. He was one of the top players we've ever seen from 2001 to 2011. Um, but just at the moment, it's, it's hard to find a spot, and, and it's not going to be, in my mind, a sentimental situation. That's not how this works. We saw this. I mean, Ichiro wishes he could still play, and he was incredible, and he was one of the best players I watched during my lifetime as well in a different way for, you know, leadoff hitters and contact. But, but ultimately, you know, um, I, eventually you, you get to a certain age or a certain skill level where the league outproduces you. And Jared Walsh over with the Angels is an excellent player, and he's moving back to first base for the Angels. So long answer, but I, I don't know, Michelle. Have you guys come up with anything? No, there really isn't a, a logical spot for him. Actually, we, we had your colleague at MLB Network, Greg Amsinger, on this morning. He suggested Milwaukee with the fact that they're, they've got Daniel Vogelbach playing first base. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's one of the better teams I've heard out there to, to kind of throw into the mix, but 
but still, no, I don't. I just don't see it. it. It's a good idea based off the shuffling that they've been doing at the first base position. Shaw's moved over there a little bit, um, but still, same thing. I think they're just waiting on a little bit of help um, for their roster, and I, I think that they'll be fine in that category as well. So I don't know. I, I don't see it. It's tough. Hey, before we let you go, Michelle mentioned that we have Wayno on our show every week, and our afternoon show has Matt Holiday every week. It'll be fun working with Matt doing a Cardinal game. I can't believe I didn't mention that. I'm so excited to work with Matt Holiday. I think I've worked with him one other time, and I've interviewed him many times in the past. Nice, down-to-earth. You never know that he's you know, one of the biggest names and superstar athletes, really, to come out of the state of Oklahoma. They absolutely love him there. He coaches at Oklahoma State. I spoke to him the other day. I mean, he knows. He, he's pretty fresh out of the game, as, as you both know. So he knows everybody on the Cardinals. He knows plenty of Brewers players. So, And we have our pitcher, Dan Plesek, who's always bringing the fun and the excitement. And then we've got our, our hitter position player, Matt Holiday. Is there anything that, Randy or Michelle, that I should mention or bring up hey, to, to either Matt or Adam today? Scott, if there is one guy that's responsible for Nolan Arenado being a Cardinal, mm-hmm. it's Matt Holiday. Uh, Arenado visited him in Oklahoma, spent a lot of time with him. Matt has continually uh, espoused the the virtues of St. Louis as a baseball town. And pretty much every observer here in St. Louis says if if there's one guy that's responsible for Arenado being here and giving up his no trade to come to St. Louis, it's Matt Holliday. It makes a lot of sense based on what Matt did with the Rockies and then moving over to Mm -hmm. St. Louis. And actually Matt's time with the Rockies, his big emergence for playing time, was when Larry Walker went over to St. Louis and opened up a spot right. for him full-time right. in the outfield. So it's, it's cool how it comes full circle. I'm, I just wrote that down on my notes. Promise I'll bring it up. All right. We'll be tuned in. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great broadcast today. They're always fun on YouTube, and we will talk to you soon, Scott. Take care. Thanks for having me, Randy and Michelle. Have a great one. You too. That's Scott Braun, MLB Network. He'll have the YouTube game today, 1 o'clock pregame with Adnan Verk and Mark DeRosa. Uh, that's a noon pregame St. Louis time, and then 12.40 is first pitch. Jack Flaherty pitching for the Cardinals, and he'll be opposed by Corbin Burns, who was great in Major League and now is still pitching really well for the Brewers. Really excited for this broadcast. You have a great pitching matchup, as you just said, and I think the players that they have mic'd up are going to give a lot of good entertainment. That'll be fun. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're going to head down the stretch here of Carriker and Smallman, headed towards Danny Mac with BK next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. If you have not been vaccinated and you desire to be vaccinated, the Cardinals are having... An event today that runs until 4 o'clock and then tomorrow from 9 a.m. till 1 p.m. at Bush Stadium. All you need to do is head on over to Bush Stadium. You can park for free in the star lot. Head into the gate right behind home plate. Go in and at the Cardinal Club. They'll be giving vaccines and you can get free Cardinal tickets. A pair of free Cardinal tickets when you get vaccinated today. What a great deal. You can park in the star lot, go and get a vaccine if you so desire and you haven't been able to do it, and you get Cardinals tickets. 
Pretty good deal, huh? Pretty good deal. Yeah. And also, we want you to know that we have the Chris Duncan Dunctionary T-shirts available right now through May 21st. You can order at 101ESPN.com. Proceeds from all the sales go to support the Chris Duncan Memorial Scholarship Fund. And... We'd like to thank our friends at CarStar, your auto body repair experts, for supporting this year's Dunctionary T-shirt campaign. You can order your own Dunctionary T-shirt now at 101ESPN.com. And you've got Boomski, you've got Apo Taco, you've got Tight Cheeks. You've got all of these different words that Dunk used, man soda. <laughs> and you have the definition for all of those. So it's a very cool T-shirt. And a high-quality T-shirt, too, by the way. I think about Chris Duncan words from the Dunctionary all the time. I'll always think about high leverage situations and I'll think to myself, I hope that guy doesn't get the tight cheeks, you know? <laughs> right. and, and there's just a, a way that he had about him where he could weave things like that into a conversation so seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And we would just take a phrase like that and it would be so great. And then it was a, it was a thing all the time. Michelle, it's interesting today as the YouTube game unfolds, Matt Holiday doing the game with Scott Braun and Dan Plesek, how many, how accomplished that 2011 team is? Obviously, Yachty is still playing. Albert still wants to play. Scoop Schumacher has been a coach, is in the Padres front office now. Ryan Terrio is in broadcasting. David Freeze just finished playing, but if he wants to get into broadcasting, he can. Matt Holiday now doing broadcasting. Lance Berkman is coaching again back mm-hmm. at Rice University. Uh, obviously, Wayno is going to get into broadcasting. Uh, Alan Craig is in the front office of the Padres along with Skip Schumacher. It's a pretty accomplished group that was on that 2011 team. Chris Carpenter has been a coach with the Cardinal organization uh, in the past. Kyle Loesch is doing some coaching. Uh, Kyle McClellan has done broadcasting. It's a really accomplished group that won the championship in 2011. It is. And so many of those younger guys on that team, the Memphis Mafia crew, went on to have really great and solid careers. Yep. David Freeze, John Jay got 10 years in the league. Daniel Descalso, we just talked to just recently. Um, it's still looking for an opportunity, too, as he mentioned with us. But I wonder how much of that, Randy, comes from having Tony Larusa and Dave Duncan as the heads of that team and as the coach and everything that those two were able to impart on those players that helped them become valuable assets moving forward in their careers. My opinion, the leadership plays a huge role. And obviously winning plays a huge role because you're on the, the stage and media people, media executives hear you and they're interested. But there's a reason that the greatest show on turf guys are all over the airwaves too, right? Mm-hmm. Because... When you get to that level, you're heard, and if your organization makes it a point to hire quality people, then inevitably they're going to find themselves in good jobs after their playing careers are over. I just think who knows more about baseball than Tony La Russa right. and Dave Duncan. And if you were with those two day in and day out, even if you're not paying attention, you're going to absorb a lot of things by osmosis. And you learn so much about the game and about how to carry yourself and about how to be a champion as they were. And I don't know, I just look at so many guys from that team and whether it's their championship pedigree or their personality or the way that they approach the game, I would want them on my side. Michelle, you put up a poll yesterday and this morning you were on Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin. I, I, I almost called them Zubas, the pants. Great pants. Yeah, they are. Do you think Zubas will ever make a comeback? Have they made they, a comeback? They are, yeah, you can go get them off the web. They're, they've got a website. They still make the stuff. Yeah, they're great. What is it, Zubas.com? That's all it is, yeah, okay. Z-U-B-A-Z. Love that. 
but you were on their show and gave your top three St. Louis athletes that could get into a restaurant and get the last table. So they're doing a thing right now called Market Madness, where they're having representatives from all the major sports markets around the country list their top three stars, and they're going to take the number one star in each market, put it in a bracket, and have people vote nationally. And this caused a lot of consternation for me because there's a lot of athletes currently in St. Louis with a lot of star power, but I could only pick three. So I put up a poll yesterday at my Twitter feed, at M. Smallman, and I put three different groupings of stars, and I had people vote. I said, is it Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright, and Nolan Arenado? Yachty, Arenado, and Ryan O'Reilly are Yachty, Wainwright, and Ryan O'Reilly. And the winner in the poll is actually the grouping of three that I went with, which is coming in at 42.3% of the vote, by the way. Ryan O'Reilly coming in at number three. Nolan Arenado coming in at number two, which I know is controversial because he hasn't been here that long. And Yachty or Molina, the undisputed number one star in town. All right. Good stuff. So that's what I told and them. You did a great job. And Thank you can you. hear that on their podcast. And you can hear our podcast brought to you by I Promise. Any segment that you missed or the whole show, you can hear on our podcast at 101ESPN.com or wherever you get your podcasts with character and Smallman brought to you by I Promise. You're off to spend some time away, so you're off tomorrow. Have a great trip. I am. Thank you so much. I'll be back Monday. And you and Emily and Danny Mac have an excellent Friday show. I'll be listening. Thank you very much. Emily, great job as always. Thank you. And we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Thank you very much. And until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Here's the lowdown on lowering bad cholesterol from Lecvio. Lowering bad cholesterol is hard, but you could do hard. You live through five fad diets, 11 sleep training nights, Nine mediocre middle school recitals, one heart attack, and with Lecvio, you can lower your bad cholesterol and keep it low with two doses a year after two starter doses. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people with known heart disease on a statin with diet who need more help lowering bad cholesterol. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, urinary tract infection, diarrhea, chest cold, pain in legs or arms, and shortness of breath. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. Lower, longer, Lecvio. Let me guess. Unknown caller? You could reduce the number of unwanted calls and emails with online privacy protection. The latest innovation from Discover will help regularly remove your personal info, like your name and address, from 10 popular people search websites that could sell your data. And we'll do it for free. Activate in the Discover app. See terms and learn more at discover.com slash online privacy protection.